Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, Betty is too. The cat is in her room and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast episode. Can I get some drum roll? No. Ba-ba-da-ba! 50! This is huge! No drum roll, no fireworks. Shane, I'm so excited that we made it to episode 50. I am excited, but I'm not a drum roll person. Well, I'm a drum roll person. Call me a loser, sure, but I'm a drum roll person. I'm really pumped up. And uh, let's get this thing going. So we have an exciting episode tonight. Bit of a... Never mind. We have an What's ex- wrong with you right now? <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. So this is a pretty big episode. This is episode 50, and I can't even believe... I'm saying that because when we run episode seven, it felt like everything was just going to fall apart. <laughs> it was hard to get going early on. You know, I wasn't used to talking in a mic. I wasn't used to hearing myself. And it's weird when that's not your world. I, I couldn't really stand the sound of my voice. I got nervous about speaking in front of a mic. It was a weird, creative thing, even though I wanted it. It was a weird thing to get used to. But I am so excited because of that. Like... This has been such a fun journey, and I'm, I'm so pumped to where we are, especially because when we first started talking about the podcast, we're like, all right, who would be ultimate guests if we ever got to that point? And one of the first people I said was Lauren Everts from The Skinny Confidential, and we have her as a guest tonight. And I remember saying, who the hell is that? <laughs> and now it's, I, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm totally into this world of bloggers like I, I'm fans yeah. of some and I was super intimidated by the skinny confidential for some reason I don't know why I thought she was going to be a bit more of a mean girl because she's cool and usually people that cool are total mean girls but she's not she has so much warmth and she was like talking to an old friend but she totally made us feel comfortable and like she wanted to be there well and not only did she want to be there but at the very end of the call she did seemingly want to hang out with us she said next time we're in LA to give her a ring and I'm reminding myself of this I'm reminding everybody of this and Lauren if you're listening I'm reminding you of this because we're making it happen I don't think we are actually making it happen. Well, if COVID's over and we somehow no, it's just ditch a, the girls for a weekend. Like, as nice as she was, I do think it's a bullshit thing you just say. Like, oh, if you're I don't ever care. in town. I don't care. Like, Wells said the same thing to us. <laughs> I'd rather hang out with Lauren than Wells. To be honest, Wells is fine. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I Lauren, think they're both equally very cool. I don't know. I think Lauren's super cool. But very excited to have her on. This is a great conversation about success, goals, sex, marriage microdosing and i really think you guys will be into it the next guest we have on today is dr elisa pressman she's a developmental psychologist and the host of raising good humans podcast which is huge if you're a parent she is so full of great advice and you need to check her out you need to check out this interview because she she's one of the top parenting podcasts out there and i didn't know that until after we were done talking to her, which I think did me a little bit of a benefit because sometimes I get nervous when I get all their credentials up front. <laughs> yeah. With Aliza, I was more just worried about saying her name right because I want to call her Eliza. And whether Shane got it right or got it wrong, you'll have to listen and see. But the final guest we have on this podcast, we have Shane. so weird. <laughs> I'm just so excited for this episode, listeners. And Shane just keeps giving me these looks like I'm making an ass out of myself. And you know what, Shane? Fuck it. I don't care. Well, I'm happy to be here. This is Saturday night. 
both the girls are in sleep are sleeping. This is the first time since we've had Betty. Well, you that know she's I like authenticity. Been sleep. I'm. But you did just say the f word, so you are being totally authentic, and I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> Lastly, uh, we have Tyler McBroom on this podcast. So he is a certified public accountant. He is full of tax tips, how to legally pay the smallest amount of taxes. I guess you can. And well, he, you're kind of bearing the lead. I'm not sure if I'm using that term right, what? but he is Tony Robbins' business partner, and that says a lot. And when I was yeah. growing up, Tony Robbins. I, I want, I'm not going to say he saved my life, but he was, <laughs> I listened to him every night when I was really- Did you? Yeah. 100%. I didn't know this. Oh, on a loop, I would just play his tapes. And Tyler McBroom, if your name's McBroom, you it's know cool. you're going to be a successful man. Like, if you're in the States and you have a child, you can make that child your employee and collect- money off of them even if they're four weeks old like baby betty so listen to this if you're in the states we're also going to have a canadian tax expert on later on so this is just more so for our u.s listeners yes and shane i guess let's get into it i made a real special drink for us tonight for the 50th episode okay this is a non-alcoholic seed lip beverage as we tend to do let's cheers it cheers now what am i drinking here all right so you are drinking a drink called peel Shane, did you know there are 1.3 billion tons of food waste per year? No, I did not. So that's a little factoid above this recipe in the cocktail there's not, book. There's not, fo- there's not food waste in here, <laughs> There's is there? not, but I made a carrot cordial with carrot peel. So if you are making carrots for dinner and you want to do something interesting with the peel, you can make a really fancy cocktail. What's so- for dinner tonight? Carrots. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is Seedlip Grove 42, which is a bit of a citrusy seedlip, the carrot cordial, and soda. What do you think? It's amazing. This is like one of my favorites. This and the coconut one. Oh, baby. I feel like I'm Frank Sinatra or something right now. This is awesome. Thank you so much for making this. This is delicious. Cheers again. I didn't know this was going to be so good. And I really do look forward to these drinks and recording the pod. Holy shit, me too. Okay, so Shane, give the listeners, like, what does it taste like? It's hard to describe. It's a taste I've never really had. Like, it's like a really sweet carrot, but better Mm -hmm. than that sounds. And refreshing oh at the same time. But thank you so much. But I have a list of topics. I know for once in your life, you actually wrote down a list of topics. I, you know what, Shane? I have topics, I mean, I'd say 96% of the time. So but you then, just choose never to mention well, them? Well, you keep going, you get on a roll, and then I just don't bring them up or save them for the next Are week. my topics better than your topics? No, but I'm always interested to hear what yours are, and then we get talking about them. So what am I going to do? Cut well, it midway and No, say, when I'm done, bring yours up. I can edit out the bad topics. <laughs> like sometimes I'm bringing up something and it's a dud, but I have to use it. All right, well, let's just start with one of mine then. No. Why? Because <laughs> my first topic's good. Fine. Okay, I just wrote... It better be. Okay, come on. I... <laughs> I just wrote reminisce about 50 episodes. Ah, it's okay. So I was going to ask you what your favorite pocket, what, how did I word it? Oh, I said, what was your favorite pod moment in the last just, 50 Honestly, episodes? it's the evolution of the pod. Mm-hmm. This started out like episode one. We were in a TV studio. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know if it was a TV show or a podcast. We knew we wanted it to be a call-in show of sorts, but we were having listeners call in. And just how it evolved from that to actually getting experts and celebrities and professionals 
on the call-in portion and just the listener mm-hmm. portion now we've relegated to the question the portion at the end the mailbag at the end which is a, a lot more efficient less stress yeah and it just gets the job done and it's so much more entertaining okay. to listen to and to be a part of i have to for the listeners so if you've been with us from the beginning you you were around for these calls so we would sit here and while we were recording would call out to different numbers that people gave me over instagram sometimes the call would be amazing sometimes the person on the other end would predict that i would lose my child that i was carrying and sometimes the person just wouldn't answer and totally ghost us and we're doing this all (laughs) the mics are hot we'd get a text that was like sorry i'm drunk yeah we got that same person a couple times and they were just drunk every time and it it was so stressful and our recording took like three hours on a saturday night it was it was real fun but it it was really crazy and and it, it was very inefficient yes and this way is so much better all around the problem is when we started, I never thought we'd be able to land the caliber of guests we were able to oh, get. Yeah. So I thought, oh, if we can't get really high caliber people, is that insulting to no. others? Okay, yeah, if we can't get more well-known people, let's just get listeners to call in. Yeah. But then the pandemic happened and all of a sudden <laughs> we just started getting great guests and the show started getting so much yeah. better than I ever thought it would. We are two years ahead of where I thought we'd be at this point. No, it's incredible. And if you were one of those early callers, like, thank you so much. Even if you ghosted us because, you know, that was funny for the time being. Also, you know, even though you caused us stress. But if you were one of those early callers or listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us and giving us a jumping off point because it's been it's been so much fun. And Shane, I, I wanted to get to episode 50, but I don't know that I ever thought that we'd be able to i know you'd be able to but i didn't well, know i was going to do it with or without I, you this family mm-hmm. <laughs> like the shane solo hosting a parenting I podcast would be amazing but did you ever have doubts about me like that i actually wouldn't be able to do it because i know that you know every week we have conversations about okay alex let's go well the thing i really like about you is you're so capable when you're motivated it's like you give me these short bursts where i'm like this is going to be the best podcast in the world because i'm like dealing with the best partner and i feel like now you're at like such a good moment where you kind of understand the work that goes into everything and you're willing to actually schedule and plan Mm -hmm. which is a weak spot for you and for me but I, i really do feel like this has helped our marriage and changed our lives in like with no hyperbole it's changed our lives this podcast and it's just amazing like i want to thank the listeners because when we started this i thought it was going to be like a little side project for (laughs) for the for the blog for the blog your instagram account of course and now the podcast is so much bigger than the instagram account it's like it's just mind-blowing yeah no it's, it's so crazy the road it's taken and the journey this has been um and this is really like such a job for both of us. It was, it was your full-time job during paternity leave. Yeah, it's always my kind of full-time job, but it's a, it's a fun job. What is your, if you can recall, any favorite episodes that you had? <sighs> oh, man. Uh, I think the first 25 were my least favorite, so it's going to have to be 25 <laughs> and onward. Well, anytime you get excited about somebody, mm-hmm. like I like researching them. And just talking to Jillian Harris was, oh, was, was awesome. cool because I knew she was 
a huge deal. And when something's a big deal to you, it becomes a big deal to me. Yeah. So yeah, that was a very big one. And I knew other people were excited about it. Oh, and that excites time. me, you know, because at the end of the day, what I want to do is make the listeners have something to that awesome to listen yeah. to. Yeah, no, big time. I was looking back at all the podcasts we had done. And oh my gosh, if you go back or if you're one of the people that have recently come on and become a fan and you've been going through a back catalog, forgive the intro and the awkwardness and so much of 1 to 25, although there are really great moments. One of my favorite episodes was episode 11 uh, and that was right after I miscarried and you and I just get very open and candid about what we experienced in the miscarriage and that was so healing for me. Because it went beyond just a conversation you and I might have about a miscarriage we experienced. Just because being on mic, we were like kind of forced to, you know, I don't even know the words, like draw out our feelings and. Oh, how we when were you're sitting more. in front of a microphone and there's a blinking red light, yeah, you're apt to talk. Yeah. And otherwise, I, I always say this: we would have just been watching Seinfeld and, <laughs> and keeping our feelings inside. Yeah, no, and so I really loved that episode eleven. I just thought that was so raw. Episode thirty nine, we had Aaron Trelore from Raw Beauty Talks. That was a huge episode for me, and that was one of my favorites. Shane was bawling his eyes mm-hmm. out that episode, and we just learned a lot about parenting and how we approached beauty and what it means to be pretty and using those kinds of words in front of your kids. And then I just got to say Perez Hilton, Jillian Harris, and this one yeah, are my next favorites. Yeah. I, and I know some people were expecting an all celebrity dad episode, which I had promised. Yes. But you know, I'm the king of writing a check my butt can't cash. And <laughs> women are so great to book. I like, I don't want to be sexist here, but Men <laughs> men are so hard to book on a family podcast. It's like something just feels so uncool to them that, you know, they'll be like, oh, I'm in. And then they'll but- push it off a little bit. And so certain people that I'm booking, and I will get these people, yeah. they're delaying a little bit. And I know it's summer, but we are going to have a Celebrity Dad episode, and it's going to be amazing. See, they're being Goombas right now, and that's they're totally... They're not being Goombas. No, 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 no. But it's totally fair to think that, you know, it might be a little lame for a guy to come on a family podcast, but I think they're going to have so much fun. They're going to think it was lame putting it off. Well, this ain't your grandma's family podcast. You know, Alex said the F word off I top. I said the F word off top. And we, we got skinny here. She's talking about drugs and sex. and Drugs and sex. Boob jobs. and Boob jobs. It's a fun episode. And wait, how many men have we had on? We've had Perez Hilton, Tyler McBroom. Oh, those are two. Oh, and we've had like dad callers. Shane had a segment, uh, Dad's Corner, that was going on for a while where we talked to a dad friend in each episode and got their take on, you know, different mm-hmm. family problems, which is yeah, awesome. Yeah, but as far as like our new model with more of celebrity, higher profile people, we haven't really had any, it sounds odd, but like cis, straight males. Is that the, am I saying that right? These terms? Sometimes I say things I don't no, even I, know. No, you got cis. it. Cis. Cis. um but yeah no it's honestly been so much fun and i do want to thank shane for um like honestly if uh, why am i getting emotional like uh if it wasn't for you motivating me weekly and having faith in my creativity and having faith in me because i honestly don't have any creative faith in myself sometimes we definitely wouldn't be at episode 50 so thank you so much for having faith in me for pushing me and just for having so much friggin fun with me because honestly every saturday night is so much fun and uh yeah i appreciate it so thank you 
Well, you're welcome because, <laughs> yeah, this has been a bit of a nightmare motivating you, but uh, I'm glad you appreciate it. <laughs> what else we got here? Like, okay, so you go with one of your topics. Okay. Well, my, mine's a bit of a negative Nancy topic. Do you have any more fun ones? Okay. We had our anniversary the other day. Yeah. Four years together. Four years married, five years together. Well, four years married together, yeah. But... <laughs> Married together. We were supposed to have sex and we didn't. I or, know. Sorry, we were supposed to get intimate, I guess. And I think, to I think we told the listeners last week on the podcast that that's what we were doing too. Well, a lot of listeners have been DMing me. No, they weren't. Yes. How Asking? Was, how was that sex, Shane, they said. They didn't ask. No, them. of course they didn't. <laughs> no, um, no. Well, yeah. You know what? It was. And honestly, I kind of woke up in the morning knew it wasn't, knowing it wasn't going to happen. How'd you know? Because there's just too much pressure on the day of, especially when it's been built up for, you know, you couldn't do anything for six weeks. But sometimes pressure, you know, creates diamonds. No, because I was already, I was kind of pissed off about it already. And then I was like, you know pissed what? Pissed off about what? Well, pissed off about the pressure. And I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And then I'm going to get upset if I put all my eggs in this basket. So I'm just going to say that, you know what? It's not going to happen today. And then I have nothing to get pissed off about. And I had been thinking about it so much throughout the week because on Monday I got the okay from my doctor that everything is healed, everything's looking good, and I'm allowed to medically. And I was thinking about the day and I was like, okay, I'm going to get so anxious about it. And then no matter what happens, I'm just going to feel weird about it and not happy with it. So I'm just deciding that there's too much pressure and I'm just going to not expect it at all. And then I felt very guilt-free when I reached for the fourth slice of pizza. And at that point, after eating it, I was way too full. Way too full for any intimacy. If I busted a move, you're telling me you wouldn't have taken it? I was pretty full. I think that if That's you bust... such a lie. No, if you busted... Hey, if you busted a move, yes, definitely. But I think the pizza thing was to... You're such a liar. No, no. I, the pizza thing was to make me feel better about not initiating it. And because I was I was feeling bloated. That's a pizza crap no, bullshit line. No, pizza crap. Yeah, but just because you've never said, I'm too I, full for that. <laughs> no, because I didn't need to say it because I didn't even... I didn't initiate anything. How do you initiate something? Of course, I would have been in. Yeah, and honestly, it was because of Betty was there. And any time I started thinking like, okay, now's the time to start my uh, routine, uh, she would start crying. So Betty's a cock block. Okay, Alex, come on. <laughs> she, that's what you're calling her. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't like Betty in that term in the same sentence. That's not good. Okay, fine. Uh, but yeah, Betty's a bit of a uh, pussy blocker. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Obviously, I don't talk this way. But yeah, Betty was crying, and that it does ruin the mood. And it's it sucks that we can't readily have time to be intimate with each other. Yeah, especially because then when when Betty is chill and when she's sleeping, mm -hmm. then Lucy's awake and running around. And it's also it's hard too. The first day you're able to do something, I, I liken it to like if I just had my cast off my yeah. arm that was broken, I might not want to go throw the football around right away. Just because you technically can do something doesn't mean that's the time to do it. Yeah, she, this is why I woke up and decided that today wouldn't be the day and I wouldn't be disappointed if it didn't happen. Knowing me and knowing how I typically act, don't you think 
that if I hadn't woken up and made that kind of decision, then I would have been like way more pissed off about it and I would have been way more like passive aggressive because nothing happened. No, I stuff was still brewing with inside you. Like the the next day, like I knew, like a hundred percent, I knew this well, was going to happen. What about the next day? Well, you just kind of woke me up. I was just about to go to sleep, <laughs> and I'm just being pushed in the bed. I'm like, I know what's up. I know what's up because I can always feel what you're thinking. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's good for me. I know always know what to expect from you. But you were like, tomorrow you have to do this to me. I won't say what it is because it was disgusting. But. <laughs> I'm kidding, but like I, I knew you were gonna say that, and I said okay. Yeah, but there was no passive aggressiveness, and honestly, like otherwise, like if I had been putting such a premium on anniversary intimacy, then I would have gone to bed like crying. Honestly, if we didn't, you know what I mean. And I have in the past. I know you're. Uh, I'm not saying you're easy to deal with when it comes to not getting intimate you're tough it's a weird hang-up you have and i have weird hang-ups and everyone has weird hang-ups so that's just yours and mine we'd probably be here all night talking about them right (laughs) okay so yeah so that 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 was the anniversary tonight there's going to be a lot of stuff going on well there better be there will be well i'm looking forward to it it's getting late but still (laughs) there will be I'm looking forward to it, Shane. I know. Yesterday you were like, I'm so excited. I'm shaking. And it really did make me feel good. Good. Because sometimes I question my abilities. Oh, hey. It's just, you know, it's not about that. Okay, wait. Now I'm questioning my abilities. (laughs) I'm kidding. That was meant to make you question. No. Your abilities are great, honestly. And I am excited. Seriously? Yeah, honestly. You swear? Yes. If your abilities weren't good, then I wouldn't even want to fool around with that. Okay, because sometimes I ask you something... And I'll say, you promise on Lucy's life, Mm -hmm. and you'll still lie to me. It's almost like you don't believe in that. Do you not believe in that? I I don't know if I do or not, but I don't want to put anybody's life on the line, especially my own daughter's. Okay. Just in case. Okay. So when I say that, how come you still lie to me sometimes? I don't. You swear on Lucy's (laughs) life? (laughs) No, I think uh, in the past, maybe I did, but... You put stake into it, which freaks me out. So I don't want to put stake into. Well, see to doubt. Just I, w- I want to put stake in that as well. Now I guess is what I'm saying. So I don't lie under Lucy's life anymore. Okay. So what else do we have here? Oh, the puttering. We had a bit of a puttering competition, yes. and I, I jokingly, exaggeratingly said it was going to save our marriage. Do you think it has helped our marriage or our overall state of being in the house? It has helped our marriage. It has helped. My, it has helped me mentally this week, uh, and I know it's helped you mentally. Like it's been really great, and just doing it consciously, and you know, every time you leave a room, bring something with you, or if you have two minutes of just hanging out and staring at a wall, do something in that two minutes. And I've taken care of two things that have been so just cluttered for so long. One is our mantle. Mm-hmm. We've had all this crap on our mantle for three months. And then our bedroom with all just clean laundry. And just to let the listeners know who maybe this is the first episode, we were talking about puttering the last episode. And what I mean by puttering is constantly, lazily, casually cleaning your house throughout the day. So it's not a tough clean. It's just, oh, maybe every hour you do a minute and a half of lazy ass cleaning. Like the definition of puttering too, it's not stuff you always do anyways. Mm -hmm. It's putting that minute and a half into projects you never do like not like the kitchen that needs to be cleaned always or the spill that your kid makes on the floor you 
really went into action and you did a little bit more than puttering and that's the beauty of puttering too so you sometimes get caught up and then you can turn a putter into a real well, job feels good. but there could because there's no pressure to do it yeah but when you start seeing the results of it and you start feeling how the results make you feel then yeah. it's like oh man like I cleaned our room in one shot. It took me four and a half hours, but I still did it in one shot. And it felt great. Well, because I'm reading a book right now. It's called The War of Art. Not yes. to be confused with The Art of War. And it's all about how resistance is kind of the thing in our life that really prevents us from doing things. Doing things is actually easy, but starting to do things mm -hmm. is really like 30 seconds of pain can stop us from doing something for years. Mm -hmm. But once you crack through and actually begin, you can get results. And that's kind of the my logic behind puttering and you were resistant to do this we kind of got in an argument last episode yeah. now you have i feel like we're better off for it already no because honestly those were two of the biggest jobs that i've now completed that we had in the house and what seemed like an insurmountable insurmountable task right yes yeah became so doable like 10 minutes in so puttering to save the marriage it does turn me on when you start doing stuff like this, I'm so much more into you. Well, how into me are you then right now for, look, you're sitting facing the clean mantle. You must be so horny. Stop. Shane <laughs> <laughs> hates her lesbian net. I can't tell. No, I like it. That's the 50th time he's been like, Alex, come on. Well, just something about you saying horny sounds so unnatural. Horny. I don't like it. <laughs> should i say turned on i don't know well sometimes i feel like i'm more myself on the mic than you are horny i don't like it <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> either you're too kind and sweet or you're too like brash i don't know i'm like if that, was, if that was my one podcast complaint about mm -hmm. you i think that you're Am I right or wrong no you know you're totally wrong you're misinterpreting what? the whole thing because the brashness the overly kindness the excitability that's just all me and they're just different facets of my personality that come out when different topics mm. come out so like two seconds ago i was crying thank you for the episode and now i just can't stop thinking about what's gonna happen after but yeah they're all just it's all me babe you should know that by now i think yeah you are one of the most extreme emotional shifting people i've ever met uh, yeah <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. No, yeah, it's fine. Okay, I'm dying to hear one of your topics. Okay, okay. So I'm not going to get too much actual hate mail unless it's from like the anti-vaxxing community. But Shane, two days ago on our anniversary, I got negative mail about you. And it was somebody messaging me to comment on a picture of you and I at our wedding. And they said, Alex, you look great, but what the hell is he wearing? Did they say hell? Yeah, they said hell. Well, I think I think you honestly took it too extreme, like too much offense. Because what the hell was I wearing that day? I was wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt. You looked great. I don't think I look great. In, in looking at our wedding photos, I'm actually always like, geez, I could have done so much better. No, I think I think you look great, and I really like that shirt in particular. Actually, I like the colors in it. I like the pattern. But there was no LOL attached. There was no winky face or smiley face. It was just, what the hell is he wearing? Left it at that. Well, without context that it was a Hawaiian-themed wedding, it might, like, you look like the most beautiful woman in the world. And I'm, like, sweating with a terrible haircut. <laughs> Long story, but I got a terrible haircut. Bad shirt. My pants are too tight. I have, like, a huge phone. Okay, the phone was awful. So I agree. I look terrible. I think you look great, and I think that uh, to say you look terrible is 
totally not correct, but really. But this woman wasn't that. No, but somebody celebrating their anniversary, like reminiscing on pictures of their wedding. Who says what the hell is he wearing? And rains on somebody's lovey. We don't know the tone. She could have been joking. Usually, if she gives you a compliment like "You look beautiful," but what the hell is he wearing? She's probably joking. Oh, I don't know. And you just took so much offense to it. I I did. I thought you overreacted. And as you being the professional. Like, you're a bit on a pedestal, right? So you can't lower or stoop to other people's level and engage with them. I love engaging with trolls. And you love engaging with trolls. I'm I'm shocked to hear you saying this. I'm no one. I'm a little piece of shit. No, you're a big piece of shit, babe. You're like over Mm. six feet. Jeez. (laughs) But what's another topic you have? What do you think of... we, We recently had Nona here and toys were being shipped into the house yeah sometimes we'd approve them sometimes they would just show up like this was kind of two instances i don't want to exaggerate it too much (laughs) but it's like should people be allowed to do that without consulting with the parents and like i love nona nona is the biggest help in the world the biggest and i hate like i actually love shitting on people i'm not gonna say (laughs) i hate shitting on people but Mm -hmm. it's just this is like a spot where i was like i don't know how i feel about all these toys because when someone brings toys into your house for your kid yeah they're for the kid but really it's like these are for your floor yeah here's this mess for you to clean up and i'm not always cool with that because we have enough of a mess yeah so and again nona is the biggest help and she's the most generous and that's i think where this comes from but you know she showed us a picture of these four dolls and said hey like i i know you know my niece or whatever She's too old for these. What do you think if she drops these four dolls off that she's done playing with? So I was like, oh my gosh, they're adorable. They're like little kid versions of four of the Disney princesses. And I go, yeah, for sure. Then 20 minutes later, a woman shows up with a big bag of like six dolls and none of them are the ones from the picture. And then I was like, oh, well, that's weird, but this is great. Like these are awesome. They're like plush versions of the Disney princesses. And then we just, you know, didn't question it. We're leaving it there. And then the next day, first thing I see when I wake up is uh, a dog that walks and barks and is on a leash. So a noisy toy and a baby that you have to feed and give milk to that also talks. Yeah. And then an hour goes by. And we already have similar toys to that yeah. and we had to hide some of these toys that's the thing because they are a bit of a nuisance in the house and a bit of a, a, a dangerous hazard yeah and then and then a couple hours after that i go in the toy room and then i see the original princess dolls that we agreed to bring in and it was it was just a funny sequence of events and it's like where the hell are all these toys coming from how come they're all coming at different times in the day because i think they're all coming from the same house and it was uh it was weird so yeah, what do we think of that toys being brought into a house without the parents' permission? Do Should someone ask mm-hmm. or no? Yes, because especially like you and I, like we have so many toys in our house. Like they've been piling up and any people that have kids know this. They pile up for birthdays, for Christmas, whatever. And not even necessarily from you because we're pretty conscious to buy certain toys only and we've been really conscious about like including toys of color and things like that so we really want to have you know kind of a curated toy collection yeah i don't care about that that's um like curating the the toys it's just expensive garbage coming into your house (laughs) like i'm just like 
oh, we have too many toys. And just the, um, the count of toys yeah. should be kept low. And I think parents uh, get annoyed by toys more than they like are like, oh, thank you. And Lucy doesn't appreciate it. She doesn't give a shit well, for you, more than t- 10 seconds. Yeah, well, like you made a good point. Like We already have an animal, like a dog on a leash that walks and barks, Even right? if we didn't, I wouldn't be like, finally, a dog on a leash that barks. Or- no, but I, th- I think with something like that, it's like, we like you said like we hide that toy for like two weeks at a time so when we bring it out we never bring that toy out no but like if we were to i'm throwing that thing out the second i find it but lucy would feel like it was new again right like if i really wanted a toy dog on a leash i'd still want to be asked right no and that's i guess that's my whole point and obviously it's tricky territory when we're dealing with nonas and bobos and babshas and bb's <laughs> and whatever they're called yeah because these people their whole goal in life is to spoil the child yes but i do think there does need to be some of what of a conversation yeah oh absolutely it's, especially if there's three times the amount of toys you thought being brought in because a house there's only so much space and it's just yeah. a lot of work and the juice ain't worth the squeeze no i agree i agree so have those conversations with your family members because uh you know unless it's at their house and if you can't have matter. the conversation with them just talk behind their backs on a podcast and hope that they listen and then you never actually directly have to deal with anything there you go we love you nona all right let's get into do we call her the skinny confidential we call her lauren well we've got lauren everett's bostic of the skinny confidential i guess let's get into this interview i think she was amazingly honest and authentic and everything yeah. you'd want in an interview that you wouldn't typically get in an interview so please do enjoy this but first alex who are we supported by we are supported by the bear home people might not know this about me but <laughs> i am the biggest soap aficionado there was a you are a soap snob there was a soap that was discontinued five years ago and i bought it out of the entire store and i've never had a soap that was as good as it until now until now and shane found those new soaps with the bear home they're all natural products that are safe for you your home and the planet which is why we like to use them and which is why it's so important for us and by the way we contacted the bear home they weren't just like oh, oh the 50th gosh, episode yeah. we went out of our way contacted them and we're so excited when they wanted to partner with us. No, it's huge because it's everything that we stand for. They're aesthetically pleasing. They're good for the environment. They're sustainably made and they smell amazing. Yeah, I don't care about the aesthetics. This could be <laughs> this could be in a boot. It could be in a boot and I would just love it. Seriously though, what we love is that they come in refillable glass bottles that you can keep conveniently at home and they store six times the amount of the 500 milliliter bottles. And in this day and age, you gotta love reducing the use of single-use plastic. Absolutely. Not only are you helping out environmentally, but they're scented using 100% organic essential oils, they're biodegradable, and they're made in Canada. You can feel good about it all around. So if you want to check out the Bear Home products, you can go to thebearhome.ca. That's bear, like B-A-R-E. And you can use the promo code thisfamilytree20 to get 20% off. And they do deliver to the U.S. and Canada, but we are also supported by Mini Miosh. They're a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. 
They have the best basics that I've seen for your littles. They're fashionable staples that are good for any age and really regardless of gender. So Mini Miosh, they stand by, you know, quality over quantity by saying no to fast fashion. And they just create these timeless, super comfy, super soft pieces. And it's so good for us too, because we have two girls. You know it's going to last and Betty's going to be able to enjoy it. I mean, not only that, but their cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally. They're all organic and they use GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact, non-toxic dyes, so they're better for the environment. The clothing is cut and sewn in Toronto by people who the owners know themselves and are paid a fair and living wage, which is, again, in this age of fast fashion, such an important thing. And again, we went out of our way to contact this company because we absolutely love them. Anyone you hear on this podcast advertise is because we approached them. Absolutely, no. We love Mini Miosh and we love their drive for quality. But if you don't believe us, go to their website and see for yourself. So you can do that at www.minimiosh.com and that is M-I-N-I-M-I-O-C-H-E or at Mini Miosh on Instagram or Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you're going to get 15% off your order. Mini Miosh as a company is on a mission to leave the planet better for our little ones than when they arrived on it. But to our interview with the Skinny Confidential, Lauren Everts. Beauty. Hey, how's it going? I'm not like video ready, but no, you this, look- is, this is like quarantine mom life. So this is real. We we feel it. We've got two right now and uh, we are at a lake house. So this is quarantine mom at a lake house on very little sleep as I'm sure you are. Okay, you and I are you or I are on the same kind of level right now. I yep. love that you guys are doing this as a couple. I do mine with my husband, so I know, I know. it's a lot of work. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is, and you, it never goes away either. You take it to bed with you. It's oh. it's interesting. <laughs> we, I'm sure we could write a book about it. It's a lot. It's a lot of work working with your significant other. That was my first question because not only do you work with your significant other, you're you've been with Mike since yes. you were th- 12 or 13. I have known him since we were 12. Oh, so you weren't dating? Him I when have you were not 12. been with him that long. Okay. We've like been with other people and explored the waters, but I've known him since I was 12 and been with him since I was 22. Wow, so a long time. Well, I'm gonna get right into it. You are a an author, a blogger, and you helped me in the most minute, but like so significant way. And I don't think that Shane even knows this. Mm. You were talking about the tongue scraper and you got me onto that and it was fucking life changing. (laughs) And I've always been obsessed with a clean tongue, but I never had a scraper until like three months ago. Yeah. Did you know that was her? No, but yeah, thank you. I have geographic (laughs) tongue it's called. So I attract a lot of bacteria and my breath gets very bad. And uh, under quarantine, I found I was brushing my teeth once a day for some reason instead of twice a day, which I know is a disgusting admission, but the, yeah. the tongue scraper did help a lot. Yeah. You know what else? And I tell my husband this, it's also when you guys have facial hair, you have mm. to wash your facial hair. Like you have to wash it like hair. Yes. If you don't wash really? it, my husband, when he has facial hair, I'm like, you need to wash all the hair around your mouth because that collects bacteria too. Does it, it makes oh. me break out if I'm kissing him. And it's, it's horrendous. Actually, you I want never to... told me that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we haven't been kissing much lately. We have, okay. we just had a newborn, so there hasn't been much kissing going on, but I wanted to know, and because you brought that up not long ago, you put up a post saying that Michael has a secret eight step skincare routine. Shane splashes his face with water at night. 
what should he be doing? Because that's why I first started following you before I like really fell in love with everything that is the skinny confidential. For tips about my face no, care routine? No, for tips about my oh. face care routine, but now it applies to you. Okay. So what, what is Michael doing? What should he be doing to keep himself fresh for me? Okay, so the trick to manipulate your significant other, especially a man, into skincare is start slow. So it's like no one wants to just have sex. Like you want foreplay and you want to be felt up and you want your nipples played with and you want to be kissed. Mm -hmm. It's the same with skincare. Like you have to just start with the kiss. We can't just like stick the whole thing in. Right. Mm -hmm. So with men, you want to start with, I would say, like a good moisturizer. And how I manipulated my husband is I was ooing and aahing and like bouncing my face in front of him and like (laughs) applying it so extravagant and dramatic. And, and like pulling it down my neck and talking about lymphatic drainage. And then I would make snide comments, like I, those wrinkles, like uh, above your forehead, like your eyes are drooping. Like I would say little things. And so by the time the moisturizer was presented, there was like all this stuff that was like the lead up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would start him on a moisturizer. You definitely do. I'm not trying to like get on you, Shane. You need a moisturizer because the older you get, you're going to get fine lines and wrinkles and blackheads. And if you don't start like using something, then you will age quicker than normal. So start him with a moisturizer and then, and then slowly implement things as you go. He's already six years older than me. So it's, so is there, is there one, (laughs) I know, (laughs) I know zero about men's moisturizers. Is there one that we should start them off with? And I have oily, like you can see my shine right now. I have oily (laughs) skin. So what would be good for that? I would start you on a Dr. Dennis Gross vitamin Mm. C serum or the Dr. Dennis Gross oil-free moisturizer. It's very masculine colors, so you're not doing like millennial pink in your bathroom. And it's something that you should be doing AM and PM. Just use the moisturizer, use the serum. And once you feel a difference in your skin, you're going to become addicted and you're going to want more products. Dr. Dennis is a great line mm-hmm. to start men on. That's and, Michael's and face. What's the uh, level of financial commitment to this? It's not bad. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, I think to spend a hundred dollars a month investing in something that you are like, it's your face, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's your face that you show up every single day for me if i just don't understand why anyone wouldn't want to be as preventative as possible Mm -hmm, about preventing aging like you want to you want to look youthful so a hundred dollars a month to invest in a couple of products that'll make you feel good Mm -hmm. it's worth it in my opinion so you've known your husband for so long do you find you actually can even notice how he looks because the reason I ask is because with Alex, the comfort level's so there. It's like nothing mm-hmm. can blow me away. You do notice with a good with a good moisturizer, you will <laughs> notice. She will notice. Are you more sexually attracted to Michael now that he has implemented this moisturizing routine because of your manipulation? I am more attracted to Michael because I think that glowing skin is so much better <laughs> than like his old ball sack forehead that he right. had before he was <laughs> I also think there's something to be said about like the wellness aspect. Like mm-hmm. it's sexy that he wakes up and takes the vitamins and brushes his tongue and flosses his teeth and does all these things that he didn't do before mm-hmm. we were dating. It shows his commitment to wellness. And it's not like it sounds overwhelming. It's like a five minute routine he does mm-hmm. in the morning mm-hmm. that just makes a difference. Okay. So he's not gone like full Patrick Bateman. This is manageable <laughs> and it's just better for you and better for him because he's 
he's getting more sex or everyone's getting more sex, I guess. It's a, it's a win. It's pretty Patrick Bateman-y. Oh, it is? Patrick oh, okay. Bateman. Yeah. I love that movie, but that's a side note. Um, I did want to uh, see after, like, I'm obsessed when people are together for such a mm-hmm. long time. If there's anything that's off limits after, like, 10 years of dating. Uh, like, for instance, when I was with Alex in the early going, she was very self-conscious about admitting that she went number two. But now she doesn't really give a shit, uh, no pun intended. What about you with things like that? Is there something like you'll never let Michael see or vice versa? I don't do any body body anything in front of him. Like mm-hmm. I, like I think that's smart. Anything yeah. like, like farting, burping, pooing. Like I just don't do mm-hmm. that. I don't think that I, I just think like for me, like I really want to keep things sexy, Mm -hmm. but listen, I have a lot of friends that are like leaving the door open while they shit. And like, that's completely fine. Yeah. I don't like their relationship. I think like to each its own for us, we are, in fact, I have never heard my husband. You're not even gonna believe this. We've been together for 11 years. I've never heard him fart. What? Wow. Wow. Ever. In a sleep by accident. Ever. I'm the same way. I don't, not that she hasn't heard me fart, but I do not like Alex hearing me fart. I'm not one of those guys who's always farting. I prefer not to hear you fart. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm with both of you. So my grandmother growing up used to tell me, you need to keep some things to yourself. And she was always, I feel like that. Yeah. And she was always in reference to bathroom things. So like, I think the only times you've heard me fart are by accident. And most have been silencers. It's like I smelled them more than anything. <laughs> but they've been mostly postpartum, I think, because that's hard to control sometimes. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I I don't like it. And you want to keep some mystery there in regards to that. And I think that's such good relationship advice in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still decline my husband's calls. Like, I still don't text him back. Like, I, I still... To Play keep things to sexy and mysterious, we're together so often. Like you have to have some, like your grandma said, some t- type of mystery in the mm-hmm. relationship, or it, it can get stale. I think so. I I love a call decline. I was gonna ask you about that because you guys just had your first daughter, and congratulations, she is adorable. So we have two daughters, and Thank it you. gets it gets crazy. Like it gets so crazy with kids, and you go to bed and you're fucking exhausted, and it's hard to muster up the energy to have sex and I was just wondering this question was going to be for later but since we're kind of talking about it do you guys do anything to try to keep it fresh like we mainly have parents and families that listen to this podcast this is all basically horny moms that are trying to look for some tips I mean I definitely think there's no shame in bringing sex toys in the bedroom I think porn is really great like that spices it up I love sex we mm-hmm. both do and like we try to do it as much as possible there is nights when you get so tired mm-hmm. michael and i really try to take advantage of vacation nice mm-hmm. yeah not and i'm saying when the baby's with us like we just went on vacation this weekend i think sex is so healthy mm-hmm. and it's such a vital part of wellness yeah and the more you can do it the better but i'm all about like bringing in like flair like we we started a coconut oil lube company based on the fact that Michael and I would always use coconut oil lube mm. for sex. And it started to get disgusting because we were like <laughs> digging into the coconut oil and it would get under your fingers. Yeah. So it was gross. Mm-hmm. But it like is the best for like a great blowjob. You get your healthy fat in, you get that's genius. You, you, you can have some fun. And so 
our friend came to us and was like, okay, I have this idea where we can do this like coconut oil, beeswax, vanilla essence, stevia lube. That's like tastes good and smells oh my good. God. And so we use that all the time. I definitely though think that sex is like a very, very important part of the relationship mm. and you need to be fucking. How often a week is, is normal and healthy. You do need to be fucking, mm-hmm. but like, I think once a week is acceptable. Is that too little or is, should there be more than that? I mean, I would like, I'm, I'm, I'm like every day, like mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, my stepmom gave me the best tip. And one, I, I, when I was 21, I was working on my blog, teaching pure bar and Pilates and going to school full time and bartending until three in the morning. Mm-hmm. And Michael and my relationship was really, really new. And he always wanted to have sex. And I called my stepmom and I was complaining to her and I'm like, I'm so tired. Like, you know, what do I do? And I thought she was going to like sit and like play her violin and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I understand. Like, he's just going to have to be cool. And she literally was like, you rally. And that always stuck with me. And ever since then, whenever my husband like wants to be sexual, like I I rally. Like, even if I'm in a bad mood, I'm tired. We're in a fight. Like, Mm -hmm. I always rally. I think that that's important. And I think some men and women get to the point where they get too tired and they don't mm-hmm. rally. Yeah. And that makes your partner, I think, feel undesired. And just so rejected and so hurt. Well, yes. Alex is signaling like I, I don't rally and I do. What she wants is <laughs> me to initiate because if I'm not initiating, I, I want to feel she, sexy and initiation know, makes I've, me feel like I'm hot. But I've never turned you down ever. No. So if, if you, you have turned me down, actually, that's well, maybe once, but not enough to complain about you know what though guys get so lazy like you have to like they get lazy Mm -hmm. as fuck Mm -hmm. it's like it's i told michael i'm like you don't just roll over and stick it in like like put some fucking effort into it you have to like be on their ass like Mm -hmm. be on their ass put some effort into it well i'm a i'm a good doggy style is my favorite style so i'm good at that but I do feel sometimes to properly pleasure her with like half an hour and I'm like, all right, already. And yes, that might be on me for not being good enough. But I'm just saying it does feel like a longer commitment at 1230 at night. Yeah. To do that. So sometimes I'm like, oh, it's not even that. I I would say get get a vibrator, get a vibrator with with the whole thing. It's 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 and then I use it on her. Yeah, she's literally ordering it online right now. <laughs> oh, I think she has it. <laughs> but so I want to ask because so for me and my dad is our number one podcast fan, by the way, so he's going to love this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, <laughs> my <laughs> he's very sex positive, though. So, yeah, I do think he'll love, yeah. love it. Yeah. Well, my intrinsic happiness kind of comes from loving sex with a partner. And I think you do like for me anyway, there is so much intrinsic happiness in that and self-worth in that in a sense in doing it with your partner and for Shane it's it's different is it like does Michael and do you feel that you guys have a lot of happiness tied into it or is it something that one of you has to work on god that's a good question I, I think that Michael and I are so have been like have been together for so long and also we were like I he was my first blowjob when I was 12 <laughs> so I think we're, we're pretty balanced in that 
yeah. I don't think it's like one te- like teetering off the other. I mean, sometimes you just want to have sex and mm-hmm. sometimes you want it, it to maybe be more romantic with like a fireplace. Yeah. I'm a fan of reading the room, right? Like read the room with what's going on. If you have two minutes and the baby's in the other room, it's like, okay, bend it over. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. But if we have like space in our night, you know, we can turn on Frank Sinatra and like light candles. I think that there's different strokes throughout your sexual mm-hmm. relationship. It doesn't always have to be one way or the other. I just think it's important to like read the situation. Right. We were talking to Jillian Harris about this and she said she doesn't mind if the man just sticks it in for a bit, rolls over and falls asleep mm-hmm. when he's finished. How do you feel about that? Or do you think the inequality isn't cool? I I, I think that like, again, it's like a different, that's fine. If that's mm-hmm. like what's gonna man. happen, if that yeah. was happening every single time, I'd be like, you're lazy. Selfish. But that, like, Selfish if that's, lazy, yeah. if that's like, if we're hungover on a Sunday, like I rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what saved us when our first daughter got a little older was a playpen in front of the TV. If you could find a quick Perfect. five minutes, leave her there, run out mm-hmm. of the room. And of that saved, I think my ass a lot of times. Never works. Well, exactly. Exactly. And and I do think it is harder uh, as you do add more kids. Like we've only had a second kid for three weeks and like shit's great life is insane well you right couldn't now. have sex right now well, if you i can't yeah to. yeah no you're three weeks postpartum yes yes so that's why I'm, like sleep deprived like this is why like i'm <laughs> so sweaty right now i have milk leaking out of my boobs like if i was to lift up it's it's not a pretty situation here no no it's stinky too oh my god that's gnarly <laughs> that you're podcasting three weeks postpartum oh, yeah i think we we did it the day after she gave birth too uh so yeah we grind but since quarantine right. we found it's hard to turn off because yeah. work mode is like 24 7 because I, I have a full-time job i work at much music which is like the mtv of canada but now i'm doing this podcast heavily and a lot of people have the free time now to actually do all these zoom meetings and people are comfortable so I never like squandering an opportunity, but I wanted to ask you about this. Are you able to shut off? Because this is 100% of your income mm-hmm. is just always kind of available based on how hard you work. So are you able to create a schedule and know when it's time not to work anymore? So I've been doing this for 11 years. Mm-hmm. So for seven years, I was yes, 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 yes. Everything was a yes. There was no boundaries. If someone wanted me to come speak at their elementary school, <laughs> or speak to their sorority or get on a call with a reader who just wanted 15 minutes of my time. It was yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. It was responding to every DM. It was yes. And I got to a point where what got me so far wasn't serving me anymore. Mm -hmm. And Tony Robbins talks about this all the time. It's like what fueled you to get to your success comes to, to a point where it stops serving you. Mm-hmm. So it's like the art of achievement and the, and the science of fulfillment. And right. you get to a place where you've like achieved like what you need to achieve, but what, what got you there, it's, it's not good anymore. And so mm-hmm. the yes started not working anymore. It, it became too overwhelming. So I just started creating like really gnarly boundaries with a lot of different things. Um, I hired someone to become a practitioner of my calendar. So like every minute is accounted for. And if I have time that's blocked off with my daughter, that's, that's my time with my daughter. I used to work until two in the morning. Now I work until seven 30. Like I just put boundaries on all these areas. I really made my bedroom like a sanctuary, like with a salt rock lamp and meditation music and 
like red light and like it's a wind down space. Mm -hmm. It's not, I used to go in bed and work on the computer. I don't do that anymore. Right. Like I go in my bed, I have a hit of my CBD pen, mm -hmm. you know, I, I wind it down. Mm -hmm. And I found that by doing that, I'm way more effective. So maybe I don't work as much, but it's like the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss. It's like, I'm mm -hmm. being, I'm way more effective with my time. And I've had to say no, or just not respond to a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm very careful with what I respond to. Someone that I think is obviously like the influencer of our decade is like a Kim Kardashian. Yeah. And she it was the same way. If you look back at her career, like she said yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And then it got to a point where obviously she can't say yes anymore. And she's mm -hmm. building kids and a family. Greg McEwen wrote this book called Existentialism. And it's all, it's about doing the most important things that need to get done and not focusing on the, the noise. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you a small example of what I mean by that. I used to text back when people would text me. And then I realized, wait a minute, they're coming into my time and space mm -hmm. and their time and expecting me to drop everything I'm doing to respond. Yeah. And I'm like, that is not okay to just, if I was typing here, you wouldn't come up to me and say, Hey, like that's your, your, it's being disrespectful to my time for me to respond right away. So mm -hmm. now with text message, I sometimes take three to four to five weeks to respond. If really? with the text. I respond when I can respond. Right. And what I do is I take three hours, probably a week and I batch it. So I'll mm -hmm. just respond to everyone. Or I take an hour every single day to just do emails. I used to refresh my email inbox when mm -hmm. I was like going to the bathroom or washing my hands or whatever. And it was so not productive. And mm -hmm. so now like when someone texts me, I I'm going to respond when, when I have time to respond and I'm not going to allow random questions to take away from my time with my daughter or my time towards yeah. writing a book or doing our podcast. So I think evaluating like what's really important and putting that on a pedestal and not letting all the noise get to you can become really powerful. Mm -hmm. But if you're just starting out, I would tell you to say yes to a lot of opportunities until it becomes counterproductive. Right. If right. that makes sense. No, absolutely. It does. And are you, have you always been like you seem very type A, very organized, and you really have your shit together. I am not that. And I struggle to stay organized. I struggle to get things done. And it, it's very difficult for me. But is that who you are naturally? Or does it take a lot of working? I am the most organized, chaotic person you have ever met. Like I am me. so chaotic in so many ways. I'm a little bit like manic. Like if I get creative, it's like, I just get creative, but I'm, I'm only creative. I would say 20% of the time, the mm -hmm. other 80% I'm not, I have organized chaos. So yeah. the reason it was so important to have someone become a practitioner of my calendar is so they can run my life. That is the mm -hmm. first hire that I would make in any business. Absolutely. She has when I'm showering, when I'm walking, when the baby's up, like color coded, like workouts are in yellow. Like she, the calendar is like an art. It's, it's having my time managed so I can organize the chaos that's mm -hmm. in my head. I am really organized in some areas, but I'm very, very, very disorganized in other areas. So I don't like want to put this picture that I have it all together mm -hmm. and everything's organized. There's so much, like if you saw like my desk right now, I'll show you like, this is like not organized. Okay. Yeah. It's like papers everywhere and there's shit everywhere. And like, this is kind of how my brain is. So to have someone help me on, mm. on the calendar really, really gives me clarity. 
Yeah. So when you get a, approached by somebody in opportunities, do you let her vet what gets through? We both do. Like mm -hmm. if it's something that's like, I just don't have time. I'm just careful with what I say yes to now. If, if it's not a fuck yes, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not a yes. If that it's not sense. something where I think, and by the way, that doesn't mean that the person that's asking me has to have a hundred billion followers and mm -hmm. be this like, I'll say yes to something so fucking random. Like I said yes the other day to this business that just started out that was mm. hoping I would feature them on my Instagram. I, yeah. I liked her hustle. I liked the way she reached out. Mm. She reminded me of me when I was first starting out and she's driven. She had cute stuff. Like also, it's not like, oh, this person has this many followers. Right. It's like, does this make sense to the overall picture? And is this going to take away from what the goal is? And right. if it's taking away from like my goal and my vision, then mm -hmm. it's a no. Okay, Lauren, we're just going to take a quick break and let our listeners know that. We're supported by Routine. I get it. Deodorant is tricky. The chemical kind is questionable and the natural deodorants leave you still very stinky. It's true. They never work. And maybe there is one that works out there. I just, <laughs> I haven't found it. You haven't, but I have, Shane. And if you take a little whiff right now. You smell like a nice, how do you describe that? I don't know. It's a little floral. Yeah, but it's. Literally, it's amazing. You don't, <laughs> you had bad BO. You did, just I, not no. normally, but I mean like after yeah, breastfeeding. No, absolutely. Postpartum, I am a very stinky person. All this breastfeeding makes me sweat. And like, it's I so I weird. Smell I, awful. I never knew that happened. I know. And the thing is, like, I use natural deodorants typically just because I don't like the aluminum, all the bad things that enter your body through your armpits. But even the chemical deodorants weren't helping. So it's shocking to me that my experience with routine has eliminated my disgusting odor. What you're going to love about routine deodorants is that they're made with antimicrobial ingredients and cool stuff like dietary magnesium, which releases your armpits from the burden of stress sweats, which are, as we know, the worst kind of sweats. Routine is also really big on finding your scent soulmate, if you will, as they offer a whole line of different scents that you can choose your own pheromone and kind of go with that. So we're using Lucy in the Sky, or I am, but they also have one with Betty's name in it that I got to try. And not only that, but they're a very environmentally conscious company and they come in refillable glass jars. So you can get those, you can refill with the scent that you like, or you can get their post-consumer recycled stick deodorants. And what is that website and promo code again? It is routinecream.com and the promo code is thisfamilytree10 for 10% off. This isn't legally binding, but I guarantee you it works. I... I'm standing behind Shane. But back to our interview with the Skinny Confidential, Lauren Everts. I was listening to your podcast and you had uh, you were talking about how people pitch to be on your podcast. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I wasn't understanding that correctly. But is that true that you, you get a bunch of pitches and then you pick your guests based on how the quality of the pitch? I actually don't really listen to pitches. I think mm -hmm. they're a little bit cheesy. Mm -hmm. I, I think that PR is going to pivot. I think mm -hmm. that like the pitch and the sale is out. Mm -hmm. Everyone smells it. It's gross. It stinks. It's not sexy. I personally, if I want someone on my podcast, I will reach out to them personally on DM and get their email. I don't care how many followers you have. If you don't have an interesting story to tell, like you could have one follower. We had this guy on Khalil Rafi that had the most interesting story ever. And 
he came on the podcast and he crushed it. And mm-hmm. I don't even know how many followers he has, but he's he was not like this hugely like mm-hmm. famous, well-known person. And he was one of the best episodes we've ever done. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's more about do you have an interesting story to tell and do you have a niche? So like when I say niche, I mean, you know, we just had a functional medicine doctor on whose job is to find out how to prevent cancer, not what to do when you have it, but how to prevent it. So things like putting your feet on the earth, meditation, breath work, getting your stress down, like he, he specializes in that. And so that's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me. Like we had a girl on that had this horrible eating disorder. And now she's like this thriving mother who is plant-based and she had such low self-esteem and she was able to fix her self-esteem, Melissa Wood health. And she, she was so interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's for the pitch is like, I feel like it needs to evolve to 2020. It feels very 2000 and it feels very, very ask, 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 ask. Mm -hmm. And I would prefer give, 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 ask. Yeah. Yeah. Very Gary Mm -hmm. Vee. The pitch feels like I'm promoting my book and I need to get on 20 podcasts and I need like, Mm -hmm. where's the like audience? Part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that that the pitching thing is is going a little out. I like I said, pick the guest. If I'll read a book about like Suzanne Summers from the eighties and like reach out to Suzanne Summers on Instagram, like yeah. it has to be like a niche thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're the same way. Just like yeah. we you approached Charo the other day just to be on the podcast because <laughs> exactly. she loves her. Like yeah. that, you just mm-hmm. that's exactly what yeah. I need. Mean. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So Lauren, like you are obviously incredibly successful. And I think you mentioned Kim Kardashian as being like the ultimate blogger. But when we started this podcast, I was like, damn, if I could get anybody on this, it would be the skinny confidential because to me, you are so the ultimate blogger for me, honestly. And I wonder, like, did you always know that you would be successful because you were willing to put in the work and grind and do what you needed to do to get to where you are? The word isn't successful. That's not what I, the word is I always knew that I could create the future that I wanted to create. Mm -hmm. That it was, it was never anyone else's job to create my future. I never was like, I'm going to marry rich or I'm going to, I'm going to try to go through this person to get to that person. Like it always was like the keys to like what I want to do is, is starts with me. And I really attribute that to my parents. I think they did such a good job of giving me this like non-judgmental space. So if I told them I wanted to do something, they didn't shut it down or tell me why I shouldn't do it. They always taught me to be an entrepreneur without saying that word, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like they always just encouraged me to like go out and forge my own path and figure it out. If I wanted something at any age, like I remember being so young and wanting things and they were like, that's great. Go figure it out go get it. So the theme of my childhood was figure it out. So for me, when like it was time to do the skinny confidential, you ask if I knew it would be successful. I knew that it would be successful if I created the future that I Mm. wanted to. Mm -hmm. And and how you do that if you're just starting out is you kind of write down your, your vision for how you want your life to go. And then you work backwards and you create goals but within those goals you create systems on Mm -hmm. how to get there so so many people write down like i want to be an author okay well what i would write down (laughs) is i want to be an author and i'm going to every monday tuesday wednesday thursday from Mm -hmm. 11 to 1 write and that's in my calendar and that's non-negotiable and that's time blocked and Mm -hmm. i'm 
I have no distraction. So like, it's like putting the tangible steps down mm-hmm. to get to the goal. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that is what people are missing. They, they do this vision board with their, like all these like cutouts from magazines of like mm-hmm. celebrities and like all these things and they put it on a board. What I would recommend is make an execution board. Yeah. Like actually build what you want to do yeah. in front of you without other people's like bullshit, like build, build a blog in front of you, build a podcast, write the guests down, write mm-hmm. the colors down, write the fonts right where you want to be with the podcast fuck the vision board mm-hmm. it's more of like like your own execution board of how you see your life and stop like cutting out you know yeah. tom cruise and mission impossible <laughs> and like how are you creating yeah. your own tom cruise moment mm-hmm. with your own life does that make yeah. sense oh, that's 100%. amazing oh and i you guys it, are so it's so it so bothers me when uh, i'm mm-hmm. trying to work on a project with somebody and they're like coming up with the t-shirts and the buttons we're going to sell. I'm like, let's worry about the product before we're worrying yeah. about how we're going to profit off the secondary items that we're going to sell once the product becomes so successful. You obviously, you married someone who's a, an entrepreneur. Do you find that he has the same ethos as you and work ethic and, and working style, or is it a little bit different than you would go about things? He works completely different than mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. We couldn't be more different. It's so different. I am very, very, very like creative direction. Like my goal in life is to be fully a hundred percent in the next 10 years focused on creative. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear about finances. I don't want to hear about how we're going to make money. When I went into blogging, like you said, you mentioned like, I don't even, I didn't even think about how to monetize like for one second. I just knew that if I provided tangible value for a long time with consistency, then the money would come. The money like doesn't, and he gets really mad at me. And by the way, this is not, I'm not giving tips on this. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying how my brain works. Like I'm, I'm more attached to like the vision and the execution. Mm -hmm. He is very logical, very analytical, very good with money and finances and QuickBooks and stocks and all those different kinds of things. And he's way more macro. So he will be like, he will take like all my ideas and like conceptualize them into a a macro thing. Whereas I am more micro. I sound Mm -hmm. a little bit more like, like Shane, like where I like, my brain is like very, I really like to communicate to the consumer. Like I want to, I want to know the why, 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 Mm -hmm. why are we doing it this way? Why is it this color? And that can get in the way because it's like nitpicky. Mm -hmm. He'll launch a product before it's done. I have, I'll feel sick to my stomach if I do yeah. that. Like I, I'll, yeah. I, I, like I can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see, you guys, and I'm gonna take an Instagram story while you guys are talking. Absolutely. Oh yeah. No, see, I feel like you guys have an ethos. I don't even have a business ethos because this is so far out of my realm of what I feel comfortable with <laughs> and what I was kind of raised yeah. to do. <laughs> So the fact that you, Lauren, can sit there and schedule showers into your day is insane mm-hmm. to me. And that's amazing. And I think the way Shane works as well is so amazing. And I want to be that. Like, I need to learn how to do that. But I don't hit it 100% of the time. It's not 100% of the time. This is like, this is the misconception. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, I fucked up on my diet on Monday at 12 o'clock. So I'm just going <laughs> to derail the rest right. of the day you fucked up your diet. Okay, let's get back. So 70% of the time I get my breath work in every day. Mm -hmm. Then the other 30% I don't. The point is, is it's on the calendar. It's holding you accountable. You're trying every single day. And if you can get it in 70% of the time, it's better Mm -hmm. than zero. Right. And the project, uh, you kind of like, we always talk about how you marry your deficits. And (laughs) 
the project. So, like I, I, I need someone on the microphone who knows what they're talking about and, and everything. Right. Are. And sometimes I'm talking to someone and I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. But yeah. she's an educator. So when she talks, it actually makes sense. But on the business side and the strategy, I'm a little bit better at that. And, and I feel like I'm a good talent scout. And I feel yeah. like finding my wife, like she didn't have an Instagram account when I met her. And I was like, <laughs> you're like a beautiful, educated woman. Like when she does an Instagram post, it's long. It's not just like, I'm at the beach and she's waving and showing up her body. It's she actually wants to show people and teach people things. Like we got a, um, a Dove partnership recently. Mm-hmm. And she was like, sweet, how much do we have to pay them? And I'm like, no, they pay us, you know? It's just like, she's so innocent and has so much energy in that way. And I find as a team, it's good to have that yin and yang kind so of philosophy. So good, it's so helpful. And if you guys haven't tried psychedelic mushrooms together, you should try them because Michael and I have had so many breakthroughs with exactly what you're talking about with uh, microdosing. And I don't know if you might, I don't know if you have to edit that out, but no, no, I did. I, it's just my problem is 10 years ago, I did acid and it gave me like a nervous oh. condition mm-hmm. uh, called depersonalization. It fucked me up for three months and psychedelics. I was a little bit like, oh, these these aren't as safe as I once presupposed. Yeah. But mushrooms, I think, are much more controlled, especially if we're talking microdosing. microdosing. Uh, than acid, which lasted for 12 hours. Microdosing, like just the chocolates, just like one chocolate bar has enhanced my relationship with my husband a thousand times because you guys sound like, like to be able, the conversation that you're having Mm -hmm. right now, it's was very productive for us to have a very similar conversation on mushrooms. That's amazing. It's like more of a thing where you go into it with an intention. So if something's bothering you, you can like talk it out and like put your ego aside. It's not like MDMA or anything. So wait, are you are you saying that you guys work through like relationship problems on mushrooms? Yeah, that's genius. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea, and I it's it's that. controllable, right? Like you know, you're not gonna green out or whatever the mushroom term <laughs> is. It's not like it's the problem is is that people like are thinking I'm talking about like a mushroom. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like a chocolate microdose Truffle, controlled yeah. dose that you you would need space like obviously away from your children you have like eight hours to yourself and your husband do it in nature don't do it in your house watching blue light i put away my phone it's just really really helped my relationship oh cool that's so i actually want to ask a good recommendation yeah no i i love that and i like how you guys do approach things honestly and Mm -hmm. i'd be down to talk about that like doing microdosing with you i'll do it a thousand percent like you guys obviously a pretty liberal couple in what you do and how you view things and how you approach things you're now a mom and michael's a dad so do you think that you guys are going to be able to like maintain your chill as your daughter gets older or do you think that that's going to be something that's difficult my husband's not that chill no He's very anal. He's very type A. He likes things a certain way. Mm-hmm. He's not easygoing. He's not go with the flow. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. I would be a wild fucking animal if I didn't have him like helping me organize my chaos. Mm-hmm. So like he likes the baby to be in bed at a certain time. 
he's like on the schedule. Like if it were just me, I'd be like, she's fine. Like I'm the, I'm the person in the house that's burning down. I'm like, it's fine. So we're very, very different. I hope that we can just really create a place where Zaza is grows up in a very non-judgmental environment where she understands that she's in charge of her own future mm-hmm. and that independence and self-sufficiency and patience and autonomy are like just they're important things and I hope that she realizes she doesn't have to put such an emphasis on school yeah Mm -hmm. if she doesn't want to go to college I'm not going to sit there and shame her if she wants to go to college and wants to be a doctor I'm going to support that like whatever she wants to be Michael and I plan on just being um, supportive and there to listen what about choices like, uh, like for instance, when our first daughter was born, Lucy, she had wanted to get her ears pierced. Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm not comfortable with that because not that I have anything against ear piercings or anything, like I'm covered in tattoos and everything, but I just wanted her to make the decision herself yeah. when she's old enough to feel like a big girl. Like, what are your choices when it comes to, like, I'll just go through like a hierarchy, piercings, tattoos, lip injections, nose job implants like what are your views on any of those things in, in, terms in regards of to a kid oh it's so hard because i got i i saved my money from ninth grade to senior year mm-hmm. and the day i graduated i got implants on my yeah. dad's birthday so <laughs> that's hard now that i have a daughter i'm like would never want her to touch her beautiful body mm-hmm. i think that if she wanted to do something i would want to like really talk to her about all the pros and cons I never want to tell her anything. My husband has never, ever tried like cocaine. Like he's never done that. And I asked him why. And he said his dad literally told him every single thing about cocaine, the good, the bad, the ugly, the fun, the not fun, the hangover, the, the, how you feel. He, he like dissected every single thing and Mm -hmm. told my husband and my husband just decided that like he didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I would sit down and I would say, listen, these are all the pros and cons of boob implants. And you it's up to you to choose. For a piercing, I don't want to pierce her ears because mm-hmm. I don't want Kris Jenner earlobes because <laughs> yeah. oh, Kris Jenner had to get her earlobes fixed on ca- keeping up with the Kardashians mm-hmm. because she was wearing earrings too young. So if she, Zaza comes to me and wants to pierce her ears, like I said, we'll talk about it. Like, I don't really want to just be like, no, and that's the answer. Mm-hmm. I want I want to be able to have open dialogue and for her to feel comfortable with whatever she wants mm-hmm. to do. But what, So when it does come to possibly like cosmetic changes, mm-hmm. whereas you've had so much like well experience with it, then with Zaza, it would be like, you know, let's try to learn to possibly love it and educate mm-hmm. ourselves on what we're getting before you decide to go and fix mm-hmm. anything or change anything. I would give her all the research. I would, if mm-hmm. she wanted a nose job, I would take her to 10 doctors. Mm-hmm. I would, I, I would really just immerse myself in my own research. I would not rely on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I would just get her all the information that she could possibly get. Yeah. yeah well, I'd of like, course. it's so crazy though. Cause I look at my dad and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I got a boob job at 18. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what was he going to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you have to live and learn with certain things. And by the way, I love my boob job. So I was that, was, that was great. Well, you've been always so open about mm-hmm. plastic surgery. And for me, I was always, uh, I'm just curious about that because a little backstory. Uh, years ago, I wanted a nose job. So I flew to Beverly Hills. I, I'll just show you my side profile here. So 
I love your notes. Nice Roman notes, oh, right? You. Strong. Uh, well, people, women have tend to be saying that lately, but I found they weren't <laughs> saying that 10 years ago. But so I go to Beverly Hills. I go to get the, the nose job. I have the consultation, everything. They show me the digital image, how it's going to look. And then I'm like, I, I was scared of two things. What if this turns out terribly? And what if this turns out so good that everybody knows instantly I had a nose job? Because I wanted it to be that perfect, subtle thing where it's just like, Shane's hotter for some reason, but I can't really put my finger on it. But you, you openly talk about mm -hmm. everything you've had done. And to me, it's like, oh, what's the point in getting it if the goal is to just be considered like, oh, she's just beautiful. Like, how does she do it? What's her secret? Because I thought that was kind of the goal of plastic surgery. So why do you do that? I just think everyone in, in Hollywood is getting shit done and everyone's lying. Everyone knows that people are getting stuff done. Like, just be transparent. Mm -hmm. I, I just want Kylie Jenner to tell me, like, what she got done and, like, who the doctor is. Just don't lie about it. Listen, I also understand, like, you don't, you're, you don't owe it to everyone to have to tell everyone what mm -hmm. you got done. I also understand. I understand both sides. For me, I've been an oversharer since I came out of the womb. So, <laughs> for me, like... I remember being 18 and plastic surgery was so taboo, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. taboo, like at 18. And I just was, owned it. I was like, I, yeah, I got my boobs done. Good Pass the ketchup. Like, who cares? <laughs> it's my body. It doesn't affect you. Yeah. And so my baby alarm, that baby alarm is so annoying. She's she, fine. Okay. Well, she's not on fire, is she? <laughs> but I just, the, the beeping is like, oh. Um, <laughs> I just don't, I just have always been a person that, that is very transparent and mm -hmm. owns my own shit. And even when I started blogging in 2010, like everyone was talking about their outfits and I was like, how can I bring a different energy to this space? Like, let's talk about the Botox. Let's talk about boob jobs. Let's talk mm -hmm. about birth control, Kegels, like all these things people aren't talking about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that now we've changed the shit it's shifting mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. now people are being more open which i think is awesome oh it's amazing yeah. well it's it's so strange it seems like some people can get away with it like i feel like kylie mm -hmm. got away with uh the, her tr wonderful transition or whatever you want to call it but chloe someone in the same family i feel like she's being like so shamed yeah. for all the work she had done and it's like would it be in her best interest if she just came out with it and admitted it or is it like, oh, just you do you and it's the people's problem who are shaming her? Because I find it so interesting. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's both. It's, it's mm -hmm. either or. If you want to yeah. come out and say you got it done, great. And if you don't, you don't. But if you don't tell anyone, then you can't expect people not to say things. Mm -hmm. um, I personally think Chloe looks amazing. I think, yeah, me too. I think they all look amazing. I guess I feel like you get judged more harshly if your your change is more dramatic from yeah. what you look like originally. If it's a little tweak, you get away with it. If it's, whoa, this went from a 6 to a 10, now mm. you're in a public trouble or something. Yeah. Is that wrong? No, no. Okay. I, I think that's that's how it's viewed. And you mentioned, like, you were talking about how, you know, you're so willing to talk about anything. And that's what I do appreciate. And as a new mom, a woman in, in postpartum still right now, you brought up something that I find is kind of bad to talk about if you are any person in the mother blog sphere or whatever. And that's like not being totally cool with any weight gain postpartum. And it's not because I wanted to ask you about this because you had the post on how you saw a hormone specialist, right? And I'm fine with weight gain postpartum. Like 
I know it takes nine months to make a baby. It takes a long time to get rid of the things that I have now gained from having my second kid. And I just don't feel, it's not that I don't like it or that I can't learn to accept it, but it's that I feel not myself. I don't feel as energized. And well, you can admit you don't like it, right? Why would you like it? I fucking hate it. I fucking yeah. hate weight gain mm-hmm. from pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I don't care if people get mad at me. I do not feel my best yeah. when I am at the weight that I feel I should be. Mm-hmm. Everyone's weight is different. Everyone can pick the weight that they like to be at. For me, Lauren Everett's, I do not like being heavier than I was before a baby. I don't know why that's so controversial to say. I I am slower, like you said, I'm yeah. more tired. I don't have as much energy. I don't feel as sexy in my jeans. It's the Nothing mojo, fits. yeah. Like it's not, I don't like get why it's so weird to say that it's not fun mm-hmm. to have to gain all this weight, have a baby, breastfeed, and then have all this weight for another year. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I almost can't believe how much it is on the woman. It's a yeah. lot. And I, I have 25 pounds to lose and I am certainly not going to sugarcoat it to my audience. People mm-hmm. get mad and they say that's vain. I don't like being 25 pounds of weight. I don't, I don't know what to say. It's I'm being really honest. I don't know. Like, yeah, no, cause I've struggled to talk about that on mine because yeah, I'm learning to love things that I can't change or learning to accept them like stretch marks on my ass or something like that. But when it comes to like, I've always had a six pack Lauren. I've mm-hmm. always had a six pack since mm-hmm. I was like 12. Yeah. And now I have like, you know, just that the pooch or whatever people call it. Is that a pooch? I don't know. Uh, the pouch. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like a... Whatever yeah. that is. And yeah. like, I feel like I'm under pressure to fall in love with it and be like, this is where my babies came from and look at it lovingly and like smile and everything. Mm-hmm. But I want to know... You're not... This- you're allowed to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I don't know who this committee is behind the fucking computer mm-hmm. that tells us that we have mm-hmm. to be a certain way. You can, if you love how you look post-pregnancy, mm-hmm. that more power to you, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Me and my experience, I am not loving this situation that's going yeah. on. I do not love when I put my jeans on and I can't button them. Right. I understand that it's a part of it and I need to have grace for myself. But at the same time, I'm also going to be brutally honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've gained five pounds since our daughter was born, and it's really bothered me. I don't feel like myself, honestly. I'm the, I'm the exact same way. And, and speaking of which, keyboard warriors, everything like that, your name is Skinny Confidential. 11 years ago, I feel like that name could come out n- no blowback at all. Now where people are like, what does skinny mean? What, do you, what are you talking about? <laughs> hey, skinny has nothing to do with being skinny. It's about getting the juice. So that's how it initiated. It's like okay. I wanted them to get the skinny get the juice and Mm -hmm. so that's why it's called the skinny confidential Mm -hmm. it's a cheeky play on words it's not meant to upset anyone it's all in fun but do you get blowback and you have to be like oh here we're living in a time where everyone is looking to be offended Mm -hmm. and i am i'm to the point where i think if people are offended by things on the internet it's not the uh, the person they're offended Advice problem. It's mm-hmm. it's a problem that you need to look inward and see why that offends you. And um, do you have any? Jeez, uh, I, I, well, we're, we're going to be here all day with her. Like <laughs> I, I, uh, I think I've gotten to everything. Yeah. So Lauren, where can listeners find you if they are just not following you yet? Which is I unfathomable to me. But where can they find you and your blog and your books? 
You guys are adorable. Thank you so much for having me on. You guys you can find me at the Skinny Confidential, him and her podcast, where we overshare and word vomit every second. Beautiful. Um, and at the Skinny Confidential on Instagram. And I just really appreciate you guys taking the time to interview me. You're an adorable couple. Oh, no. Thank you for yeah, coming 100%. on. 100%. Yeah. No, we were, were so excited for this. I didn't know who you were. And then she got me so nervous. <laughs> to t- like for the last three months, I've known who you are. But I mean, yeah, I feel no. like I'm talking to the biggest celebrity of all time right now. Well, in, in skincare, yes. yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you not only for the tongue scraping tips, but mm-hmm. for today. We really appreciate it, Lauren. And good luck. And Shane, I can't wait for you to DM me a picture of your moisturizer. Okay. Yeah. No shine. It's coming. I can't wait. I'll be waiting. All right. (laughs) Okay. You guys are so great. Um, Definitely stay in touch. When all this is over, if you're in LA, let me know. You guys are adorable. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you. Honestly. Yeah. All right. Bye, Bye guys. See ya. Take care. Was was that everything you wanted it to be? Oh my God, was it ever? That was what it had hoped. I guess the only way I would improve on that, and not even necessarily improve on it, just for my own self, I could have had her on the line for two more hours, and that's, I think, the only way I could have been happier with that. What was one question you feel like you could ask? That you didn't? Mm, Oh, I'd want to ask her. I'd want her to give me a skin routine for my skin and be like, tell me each product I need, I need right now for each step and tell me how that's going to change my face. Wow, that'd be some captivating stuff. Darren. Well, I, <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to ask her how much has her surgeries cost her? And like, uh, Good question. like all that. Like I want to know how much she's spent in her lifetime. Well, because she does talk about the face being, you know, your best investment and your most important investment. And I, I want to know why we care about looking young. Like, I understand we want to look good, but why does looking young look better? And as a man, I guess it's like you kind of want to look older to look better. It's weird. Yeah. You know what? You will, as, as a woman, I'm feeling safe for the just having had another kid part, but I'm feeling better physically in my most recent years, and I feel more confident in myself, and I feel like I look the best and feel the best. And better than I had in any other age group. Like, mm. I feel sexier now than I did when I was, you know, 18 to 22. I remember I was at a strip club once, and a woman came up to me. She was a stripper. And she said, just out of nowhere, she said, uh, you're going to be a very handsome older man. And I, I was very... Had uh, you paid her yet? No, I, I never ended up paying her at all. She just walked by and approached me. <laughs> but, like, you know, if she was really out to get money maybe she might say you are currently a really handsome man no well i don't know well it's a compliment that you might not be used to hearing so i think i mean like look you're remembering it you know how much time afterward and i think had she just complimented your current look well i was offended by it actually (laughs) you know you weren't why because she wasn't saying i was handsome right then and there Anyway, huh. okay, let's get on to who we got up next here. Dr. Aliza Al- Pressman. I almost said Eliza, but I did not. But uh, one thing I liked about her was she didn't pretend to have all the answers. Oh my gosh, it's so refreshing to have a professional um, with her kind of outlook on things and the way she disseminates that advice. Did we talk off the top how she's a child psychologist? Yes, a developmental, a developmental psychologist. Yeah, so I, it just felt like a real conversation with someone who happened to have more expertise, not necessarily all the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, she was fantastic, and uh, hope you enjoy. 
So let's get to that interview. But first, Alex, who are we supported by? We are supported by Hello Bello. Co-founded by parents Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard, this eco-friendly line was created to eliminate the choice many parents face between what's best for their kids and what's best for their budget. Their diapers are amazing. And they look the best, which seems so uh, frivolous, <laughs> but it really does help putting them on Lucy because she gets excited to wear the diapers. Yeah, and when you get a bundle, you can pick several different kinds of diapers. So we have some with unicorns, we have some with ice cream cones, some with donuts. So then Lucy gets walk into kind of like a diaper closet, choose which one she wants to wear, and it makes changing her like a fun time of the day. It helps that they're actually good diapers. I mean, yes, they're eco-friendly, organic, but they also seem to prevent blowout. Yes. Like since we've had Betty, there hasn't been any of those up the back up the back yeah those moments that are just terrible for new parent or a parent (laughs) who's on their second child no that's crazy so they use a mix of plant-based materials and thoughtfully chosen traditional materials in order to deliver these super absorbent leak protection diapers that are incredibly incredibly comfortable incredibly soft They switch up their designs three times a year, so there's lots to choose from, kind of based on the time of the year you're in. There are very adorable ones right now, so I'd go check out their website at hellobello.ca. And you can get them in store. Yep, you can go to the store locator on hellobello.ca, enter your postal code, and then you'll find the store nearest you. But we don't recommend that right away, because if you use our code online, you can get 30% off your first diaper bundle. Yeah, why would you go into a store if you can get them online for 30%. Exactly. So make sure you use the promo code thisfamilytree30 for 30% off your first diaper bundle. And what's that website again? Hellobello.ca. And again, the promo code is thisfamilytree30 for 30% off. So you can say hello, organic ingredients. And goodbye to the bad stuff. But we are also supported by Miku. The Miku Smart Monitor is the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor ever that I have seen, that I've witnessed, and that I've even seen online. Well, it's so much better for me dealing with you because (laughs) you're so much calmer and easier to deal with. Our other monitor, it was... A nightmare. And it's not just because this is our second kid and you're Mm -hmm. more chill. Shane, am I not waking up a little bit happier every single day? I'd say you are, yeah. Because I'm getting more sleep every night. Because Miku actually alerts me if Betty stops breathing through their sensor fusion technology, which is like a military grade technology in this baby monitor. So it takes so much of the worry of SIDS and things like that off my mind so that I can actually shut my eyes and go to sleep at night. And I think 90% of other baby monitors are terrible. And even when it gets to smart monitors like these really high tech ones all of the other ones on the market have like an extra attachment that your baby needs to wear like a little sock or something on their chest miku doesn't need any of that and can monitor your baby's breathing their sleep analytics it's absolutely incredible and what is more incredible is that it has crypto security so that there is no hacking possible because that's an issue hackers doing that yeah it's an issue with monitors but miku has made theirs unhackable not i know not Not only that, but there's amazing HD video and photo, great night vision, and sounds and lullabies that your baby can listen to. Betty's favorite thing to fall asleep to is womb noises. So the hackers just want to watch the baby? I don't know, babe. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> but it's weird so if you want to check out the miku smart monitor you can do so at mikucare.com and if you use the promo code family tree 20 so we're taking away this and it's just family tree 20 then you're going to get 20 percent off 
your very own Miku smart monitor. And that's over $70 worth of savings. Oh, it's amazing. So again, check out MikuCare.com and use the promo code FAMILYTREE20. No other monitor is a Miku. And no other guest is Eliza Pressman. Now let's get to that interview right now. How's Hi. it going? And is it Eliza or Eliza? I don't want to screw this up. Don't worry. It's Eliza and everybody screws it up. Your mic just cut out as you said that. <laughs> oh. That <laughs> was to mess with you. It's Eliza. <laughs> Perfect. See, you told me it was Eliza. No, I said Eliza 20 times. Ah, 20 everybody times. Everybody says Eliza. I'm sorry. But anyway, hi. How's How it going? Are you? It's going well. I can't really, I mean, given the state of the world, I feel very blessed. You're in LA right now, I take it? I'm actually in New York. Okay. I'm, oh, okay. It's a little confusing. I'm from New York, so I'm moving to LA hmm. when I can get there, whenever I can get there, which remains to be seen. Do you have an idea of when that would happen? I think August. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's not good. too far off. Not bad. No. I just thought before the, the new school year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How old are your children? If there is a school year. They are 10 and 13. I'm actually, I've been staying with my father this whole time. Oh, so okay. I keep, I'm just not used to my children and I are living with my father during what we thought was two weeks and, you know. Turns into months. Yeah. How are you enjoying that or not enjoying that? I am both deeply enjoying it mm -hmm. and also finding out new things that I never knew about my father and his habits and, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, I can imagine. Um, so it's been sort of a funny time. It's so nice for my kids. Mm -hmm. oh, I bet, to, yeah. To have that experience. And but. for him, yeah. Yeah. And it's so, oh my God, I, I think he's going to have a tough time when we are no longer living with him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. You are a child psychologist and you have your own podcast, Raising Good Humans. So mm -hmm. before we really get into things, what is your definition of a good human? Uh, you would think I would have thought of this before <laughs> naming the podcast, wouldn't you? Well, I like <laughs> it. It's a conscious, curious, thoughtful, healthy, developed person, mm -hmm. an integrated, fully developed person. I really would love to get back to you on that someday. I haven't actually, it's like that feeling, like you know what a good human is. You don't yeah. even, in my mind, it's, it's like the, the word good was important to me because you know, parent, we're all parents. It's just such a terrible word, good. Yeah. It's like who wants to just be fine, good. <laughs> But I do, I want that so much for, mm -hmm. you know, for everyone to have the ability to savor and cherish the good that we can do, the okay stuff, the, the good enough stuff. So that was what that was about. And I think I was so focused on that. I probably, I just thought, well, you know what a good human is. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. one when you see one. Well, it implies, to me, it just implies like morality and, and kindness to themselves and others. So I like that. I don't think that it is a word that reduces anything. I, I think it's a good word to describe. I think what we all strive for. There's part of me feels like we're each going to define what that means for ourselves and for our family mm -hmm. and far be it for me to determine what that means for you guys or for someone else. But I know that we all share this unified sort of sense that we want this. And so I try to invite people and researchers and practitioners and thinkers that can help get us there. If you have a, like a bad kid, can you turn <laughs> it good? It? Yeah. Like if it's a boy or a girl or whatever that uh, designates that. I, you know, I just am one of those people that very much 
believes there are no bad kids. Mm -hmm. Just, you know. You haven't met our daughter yet, I guess. No, I'm I'm kidding. She's fine. She's fine. (laughs) She's good, right? She's okay. Um, I think that you can turn anybody good by seeing them. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not that hard. It's just how we define good and the judgments we place on on our kids, I think, can make them act out and makes adults act out. But with kids, it's so very much a part of feeling seen and kind of getting the right fit with your parents, which Mm -hmm. is not to put pressure Mm -hmm. on parents. Like you can have a kid who does terrible things and it's not your fault. It's more, you know, let's figure out what that means and how we can change the environment that they're in so that they can thrive. What's the balance on nature versus nurture? And I'm looking for exact percentages. I was about to say (laughs) the age old question. Yeah. Give us the answer, please. (laughs) That's really, uh, I'm going to have to go with the same answer everybody gives, which is, you know, they both matter. There's no way (laughs) they don't both matter, but I don't think we can pull apart percentages. I think you could do funky statistics and mm-hmm. studies and, and pull some things apart. And we can certainly say that there's a certain percentage of traits and things that will predict components of who you are. Mm-hmm. But I just, once you like bring it all together, I could turn my phone off. <laughs> no, turn it a little bit louder, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right by the microphone. Yeah. Um, okay, got it. So once you think about all of the different components of the environment Mm -hmm. that you expose kids to and even the genetic environment, right? Like epigenetics. It's so hard to pick apart what is in your DNA, what is a change DNA because it's expressed differently because of the environment from your, your life. Sorry, what is epi, I don't mean to cut you off, but what is epigenetics? Mm. I'm going to mess this up, but essentially, if you think about how your DNA is expressed, Mm -hmm. can change based on experiences, Mm -hmm. and it goes through generations. So, Mm -hmm. for example, people who were in the potato famine and were pregnant during that time, their grandchildren had higher rates of obesity. That's a real thing. That actually is true. I've been hearing a lot about this lately. That actually is true. That actually is true. That's incredible. Or like, so my grandparents were survivors of the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. They, there are a lot of studies. One of the biggest studies is done at Mount Sinai where I work, but I have nothing to do with that study. I just am interested. And the grandchildren of Holocaust survivors have higher rates of anxiety in droves, which is like not a huge shock. But if you think about it, it's like their ancestors experienced high stress and to survive, they needed to have like really heightened stress responses. And I don't need to have a heightened stress response because I'm not living in that world, Mm -hmm. but I might just because that's how my genetic existence expressed itself because I adapted over time. That's fascinating. Interesting, yeah. You mentioned, like, sorry. We were, that's right, we were talking about kind of with the nurture aspect. And I was listening to something that you were saying on your Instagram account, actually. And you were talking about how we can raise resilient kids through mm-hmm. supporting the parents and supporting the mothers. And I just want to know how that worked. I like sure. that idea. If I get yeah. more support, more love, more uh, coddling. So <laughs> yeah, th- great. Cause it does really um, mm-hmm. bode well for your kids. So you, you know, it's a wonderful thing. And dads too, if they're a prime, if they're really caregiving, then they are in that 
bucket too. It's just, you know, dads get, they, they get a little short changed when it comes to research because it's just easier to do moms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially it's all, uh, you know, when I say moms and most researchers will refer to that as like a proxy for whoever the primary caregiver is in that moment. And basically, if you want resilient kids, the first thing that you need to do is build a strong foundation so that they can mm -hmm. grow with this strong foundation. And how you build that foundation is through the relationship with their mom we'll mm -hmm. use for example or dad but i'm just saying mom right now to sure yeah, yeah. Easy. no offense taken <laughs> um it's so hard to do that staring right <laughs> at dad i have a right? resting uh b face too so <laughs> <laughs> saying that and it's father's day coming yeah. up it just feels wrong so let's say all parents but that relationship allows an infant to child to adult to feel like no matter what they are loved and supported. Their foundation is not shaky. Mm -hmm. So they can explore the world. They can do things. They can have strong relationships with other people because they expect other people to treat them with love and respect mm -hmm. and all the things that a mom would. And you cannot do that if you are disengaged and stressed out and depressed and lonely and isolated and overworked and overtired and all of those things that happen to parents. So when you make sure that your tank is filled, you can just be a better parent. It's like after you get a good night's sleep, your kids are so much cuter. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to honor your health. I'm not saying like go to a spa for a month, but <laughs> to do those small things that you mm -hmm. need to do each day so that you can be a more engaged parent. I would rather a parent be fully present and engaged for fewer moments of the day, mm -hmm. but really there than kind of being a martyr all day without taking time because then your kids understand like, oh, that person, that my person that represents sort of this unconditional love and relationship isn't really available. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's hard. And that happens because we tend to not take care of ourselves or mm -hmm. we think, oh, that's, that's selfish. I'm not with my kid right now, but really it's not selfish. So how much time has to go on for this to like really get ingrained in them? Because now I'm thinking like during this quarantine period, I'm working, Shane's working, we're both working from home. We have our creative projects on the side and we're parenting and I'm eight and a half months pregnant. Mm -hmm. So like, am I Yay! screwing up my daughter right now? I haven't been engaged all day. <laughs> Like, well, you, you know what? You're you're busy and you're doing things and so yeah. you're engaged in those things and there's a lot to be said. I mean, I certainly hope so because my 13-year-old is the camp counselor to my 10-year-old right now and right. I'm working all day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, plan the day. But I would say our kids also are seeing an opportunity for you to thrive mm -hmm. in other ways, things that make you feel whole as a person. And so you're modeling that strength and it's wonderful. During this pandemic... I, I also think we all need to know we're not at our A game in parenting no. right. and it's totally fine. Right. Okay. How, uh, how bad, that being said, how bad is cell phone use? Like I think my <laughs> daughter's favorite new sentence is put the phone down daddy and she's only two and it just makes me feel right. so guilty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because what I'm trying to do is engage with her more because if I have my phone on me, I can kind of answer work emails and totally. help her play with the blocks. But then I'm like, oh, is this a disservice? Should I not even be around her unless I can do what you're saying, which is give 100% of myself to her? Like, what is better here? Well, it's a it's a, such a hard question, and I struggle with this too. I would say with younger kids, because they can't really understand the sort of smaller details and mm -hmm. messages like, 
here's the thing, when I can have my phone with me, I can really be around you more, that you might try to, you know, swap out times when you can, if you have the luxury where you can not be on your phone and be engaged, not 100%, nobody is 100% engaged. Mm -hmm. Let us not pretend Mm -hmm. that we are. You know, it's just your brain, it can't stay there Mm -hmm. for that long. So I would say if you can find a few moments during the day, even 10 minutes here and there to put your phone away, then it doesn't matter because they, they get those times of engagement. But I also think it's totally fine to put a little sign up even if it's in the same room as your child, but you have like a, you know, a necklace with a card on it that has a, you know, a green color for I can play and talk right now or a red color that's like, hold on a second. And then you make very clear boundaries around when you're looking at your phone and when you're not. That's such a good idea. That's interesting. Okay. So micro dosing kind of, but like parenting attention (laughs) style. Yes. That's intentional cool. micro yes. yes. <laughs> that's the best and so while we've been like taking over the place of her daycare worker right and we're around her now all day long it's interesting to see how she learns like so we have lucy she's just over two and i'm struggling with keeping her engaged in activities and keeping her learning without frustrating her so like we sit there and do puzzles right and i'll help her out Uh, because I see her getting frustrated and I don't want her to lose patience with it. And then I saw you talking about the growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering how could, not just me, but like other parents that are kind of taking over for educators, apply that. That's a great question and point and we should all take a moment to to try it. Mm -hmm. But basically, to with a puzzle is a perfect opportunity to promote growth mindset. You can start to narrate kind of what her experience is as she's getting frustrated. And you can say, that's really challenging. This one's a, this one's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Let's think about how we can fit the circle inside of the circle and show her kind of different ways to go about it, to approach mm-hmm. it. But, but don't get excited when she gets it in right. the circle. I'm making up this puzzle, this no, that's puzzle. okay. But fun. let's say she's getting a circle into a circle. And a lot of times as parents, we're like, yay, you did it. You finished the puzzle. Yes. So yeah. it, instead, you want to say something like, you worked so hard to finish that puzzle. I noticed you right. spent so much time. And that way, what they see is you value the process that they have instead of the outcome. And when you value process, mm-hmm. they don't get as frustrated because you're like, you don't have to finish it right now. This seems like a really tricky one. Sometimes I take a break when something's really tricky and I go back to it. So you can model all of those different things. And finally, let's say you accidentally picked a puzzle that was above her skill set. Yeah. And it's just like, wait a minute, that's for three and up and she's two. It's not mm-hmm. helping her grow. It's just frustrating her. Then you could say, you know what? This one is for when you're three. You're not ready for it yet, but you're going to be. We're going to practice this other puzzle, and that will help you learn how to do an even bigger puzzle later. So that yet word, which is totally not mine, it's Carol Dweck, who's a famous researcher. But when you add that, you know, yet to anything. She has yet copyrighted? She took, can you imagine? I just always feel guilty because I'm like, I pull from research and then I see so many. I think that's public domain. Is it? Okay. (laughs) I always feel bad um, because I feel like there's so much out there that's so brilliant and I just want to remember to give credit to everybody. No, that's the best. (laughs) 
And but that sounds like something too that we should be applying because we have a lot of listeners with older children. We're not there mm-hmm. yet, but applying it to academics, to sports yet. And exactly. It, like, it's, is that something we should be doing? So like, they win a game. You worked so hard. You really improved on that instead of saying yeah. like, "Hey, good game. You scored all the goals." Whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. You you just and and even with each other, you know, as you're talking at home, kind of, what were the challenges of your day as a positive instead of like, ugh, I failed at something. <laughs> like you're, you know, it's like a happy I failed. Like it, it's it's because I know that when I fail at something, I tried, and now I have a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful oops that you can talk about. There's actually a beautiful children's book called Beautiful Oops. Oh, like and it's it. like when the coffee mug makes a stain on your artwork and then you turn it into a different picture. Right. But so when you frame things for older kids, like, and obviously it's great if you start with a two-year-old because when they get frustrated, you have all this language. Mm-hmm. But as they get older, they see that your household values, the process of figuring stuff out, right. that taking challenge, taking on challenges is the thing that your family is psyched about instead mm-hmm. of just winning or getting it right. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people will say, well, but in the real world, winning is the thing or, you know, getting the A is very important in ninth grade, but you have all the way until they get to high school before the world tells them that that's going to be an important thing. Until Mm -hmm. then you have time to plant seeds like, okay, if you take on something challenging, sure, you might fail, but look how much you learned. Let's figure mm-hmm. that out. And then you get a kid who doesn't try the, the easy classes and the easy way out. Yeah. You have a daughter. Yeah. yeah. And another one on the way. Yeah. And another daughter. Yeah. So it's particularly salient in girls, this tendency to not want to try things that are outside of their comfort right. zone. So girls tend to be perfectionists and women tend to be perfectionists. And the truth is, is that we have to fight that because it it stops us from trying difficult classes or trying a different, you know, attempting to do anything where we aren't going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. Because traditionally girls are told too that maybe guys are better at math or there's these stereotypes, mm-hmm. right? So girls right. don't even want to try. That's right. And and so it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not a math person, so I'm not going to do it. I'll mm-hmm. be a writing person. Is, is there such a thing as like a math person or anything, or is it all just... Uh, is it not that ingrained? Can you be a math person if you're not a math person? I mean, our brains can grow. Mm-hmm. You can get really good at things. You can certainly have, when something's a little bit easier for you, you you're going to get more feedback on your own to continue doing it so that you can get better. So if you have a natural predisposition to being a really strong math person, you're probably going to do a little bit better than somebody where it's a real struggle. Mm-hmm. But you can always stretch someone who isn't naturally inclined to be a math person, to work in a different kind of way, harder, and understand that their brain can get smarter. It's the idea that it can grow that helps you Mm -hmm. motivate. So yes, there are people that will bend in a direction that's more artistic or more Mm -hmm. athletic or more mathy or whatever, but it's how you take on the idea of, should I even bother with this? It's so hard. On the other hand, you also want to help your kids find something they're good at and like name it and help them, you know, do it. But you just want them to do it for the internal motivation that they get, not because you're like, you scored all the goals, you're awesome. Okay, Aliza, we're just going to take a quick break to remind our listeners that. We are supported by Beluga Baby. Beluga Baby wrap carriers allow you to hold and comfort your baby hands-free 
with their unique four-way stretch bamboo fabric. And I'll admit, I was against baby wearing for the longest time. I know. It's the best way to chill out Betty. Yeah, and that's what really drove me to do it because I found it's the only way to make her stop crying. It is scientifically proven that baby wearing actually reduces baby's crying by 40%. So not I think a- it's more than that. Oh, I think it's more than that. It's incredible. Betty falls asleep within minutes of being in that thing. And it's so comfortable for us because of the breathable bamboo fabric. It's like lightweight. It's just like you're wearing a t-shirt. In fact, most of my t-shirts feel like they are the exact same fabric. I get my shirts from Kitten Ace. I know (laughs) it's two brands in one ad, but they're not competitors. No, it's great. And honestly, it's so easy to put her in and get her in the proper position so that the International Hip Dysplasia Institute can be happy because they are hip healthy wraps. They're very hip. (laughs) The shipping is free to Canada and the U.S. They've been featured in Vogue, Glamour, Motherly, and Pregnancy and Newborn. Made by a mom, four parents everywhere. You can get these at belugababy.ca and belugababy.com. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree10, you're going to get 10% off. And they just got the Joni back, which is your favorite design. It's a tie-dye design. It looks amazing. Go check it out. And I'm going to say that website again because I said it wrong last time. It's belugababy.com and belugababy.ca. Correct. Okay. So, and you use this family tree 10, you get 10% off. But let's get back to that interview with Aliza Pressman. Well, we are so good at failing and screwing up, I think us, that if we start celebrating that more, we will be able to model this what, so do we perfectly. Screw up that much? I think we screw up lots. Like we even with little things oh. just around the house, you know? Like I feel that's like great. We, I feel like we don't screw up ever. I, I don't screw know. I screw up fifty oh. times a day. Oh, I thought we were so good. <laughs> <laughs> Aliza, I have a couple, perfect. I have a couple <laughs> listener questions for you. Okay. One was pretty interesting and I see this, so I'm a high school teacher as well. And I see this as a teacher, and I think she's asking from a parent's perspective, but she wants to know how the docs diagnose ODD and what's the difference between just maybe a badly behaved kid and getting oppositional defiant disorder. Is there nature versus nurture that comes into that? Oh God, that's a big question. So (laughs) concisely, I know there's textbooks on this, but yeah, I would say in general for whether it's ODD or ADHD or anything, you always want to take into account, is this an impediment to my child's functioning in day-to-day activities in more than one setting? And if that's the case, you get evaluated. Mm -hmm. And there are so many different wonderful neuropsychologists out there who can figure out what's going on. But the first thing is, like if you go to a school meeting and you're tell or if you're talking to a parent and you give them behaviors that the parent doesn't recognize, that's a red flag that mm-hmm. either, you know, something is amiss about what's going on in the classroom or something is amiss with about what's going on at home. So there, you know, if parents are like, but my child is so perfectly behaved, yeah. that's a clue that says, well, if they're throwing things at kids and teachers in the classroom, but the parents think they're perfect, that there's probably some fear-based parenting going on. And the kid only acts out when they're outside of that scary place of home. Mm -hmm. You always want it to be the reverse. You want your kids, you want your teacher to say something that's like glowing and have the parents be like, are you talking about my kid? The one who's got the tantrum? (laughs) Ideally. All right, so the next question, how to work through it when your child prefers one parent over the other for specific tasks. So like if Shane tries to put Lucy to bed one night, she is going to tantrum, she'll freak out because she wants me to put her to bed. 
Mm -hmm. So how do you kind of help them transition, I guess? You make the decision in advance. Mm -hmm. Let her know. We'll use this as an example. You you decide in advance daddy's putting you to bed. So you let her know this is what's going to happen. Mommy's going to go take a bath or whatever. Um, And there can be some self-care in there. And then, and then you acknowledge, like, I know sometimes, you know, or always you prefer mommy to put you to bed, but Mm -hmm. daddy loves you and he's putting you to bed. And then dad puts her to bed, but you don't go to mom and say, this is this kid screaming for you. We just, I give up and you don't come in and rescue. You guys sort of say like, and, and this goes for any time when there's one parent who's just got a little bit more of an edge, depending on the Mm -hmm. age of the child and what's going on. And you just, you accept that they might be uncomfortable and that's okay with you because life has moments where you're uncomfortable. You love them Mm -hmm. and, you know, but you don't give up and just give it to the other parent or come rescue the parent who's having trouble. And that helps. And then also the act of actual caregiving, especially with kids under five or at least under three, can really help relationships gel. So if it's about diaper changing or going to the bathroom or taking a bath or any of those things swap out with the partner that's kind of not in favor mm-hmm. and do more of those things for a little bit of time so that you have alone moments to bond. Punishments I'm always curious about. And now when I was a kid, my mom used to hit me with a belt. And now <laughs> it wasn't even that hard. It was more like she was kind of faking. It's like just it was scary. Like, yeah, it was right. just like it was just to teach me a lesson. And I think in her day, that was the thing to do. Totally. Now I feel like hitting the kid isn't the popular <laughs> thing to do. It's not. Yet I've heard, it's weird, I heard somewhere recently someone was mentioning that they were going to spank their kid a little bit. And I was like, really? That's still a thing? I didn't say anything, but I was thinking it. Uh, yeah, it's still a thing. Um, for some people, it shouldn't be. What are the repercussions of spanking for the people who are listening to our podcast who maybe still do that? And mm-hmm. what is a better punishment to do? Okay. So on spanking specifically, there are three problems with spanking. One is you're teaching because presumably you're out of control when you spank. You're not Mm -hmm. like consciously, calmly, and lovingly spanking a child. My mom used to spank me so calm. It would be like four hours after I did the bad thing. She'd be like, you're getting spanked tonight. Go out, like have a relaxing dinner. And then I'd get spanked later on. See, that impacts you up here, not even physically. Yeah, that's just a mind. So, so... One message that can happen, I guess, is because when you spank, if you're hitting someone, the the message is very confusing mm-hmm. because you, you're telling your kids don't hit as a solution to problems unless it's me hitting you. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is it's just like not a clear message. And the second thing is it says we don't solve problems by stopping and thinking and resolving. We solve problems by getting out of control, except for in your mom's case where it was super calm and intentional. And the third reason is it can get very hard to keep a kid scared of that. At a certain point, kids are like, well, now I've got this happening. I'm not as scared anymore. And then you have to up the the ante. And so Mm. you end up in a situation where you have to make the threats even bigger. Mm -hmm. And that can lead to things that are far more damaging than spanking. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just have two more questions uh, from listeners. So two are kind of similar. One is how do you help your child that is grieving? Another is how do you help your child who has anxiety? And I think grief and anxiety can go hand in hand in a lot of situations. What's the kid grieving? Like, a, a, well, the death of a grandparent, perhaps. Uh-huh. So if your kid is going through this, like, 
really difficult mental situation that is a lot mm. for a, a child. Like I think the one in question was 11. Uh, mm. That's a lot for a kid to handle. So how do you kind of guide your kids, especially when they're a little bit older and more cognizant through these tough situations? I mean, none of these questions are small questions. <laughs> well, you have 10 <laughs> seconds, so make it good. <laughs> We're not psychologists. Um, okay. We don't know what's uh, over the line. <laughs> No, it's all fine. Okay. Well, one quick thing that I just mm -hmm. want to say with the punishment stuff is also that there's research that shows that kids who are spanked end up more aggressive and more defiant. So it doesn't What's actually- What's that supposed to mean? I just want no. you to know. Okay. Um, right. It explains so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My temperament, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Back to the grief question. Mm -hmm. with, with children, especially an 11-year-old, one thing that we try to do with grief is help kids feel better. What you really want to do is be honest with children about what's going on. So, you know, if a dog dies, you don't say <laughs> that they're off to the farm. Right. If a grandparent dies, you don't say they went to sleep and didn't wake up or mm -hmm. anything that could mess with their heads or, you know, you have to be very concrete. Grandpa died. He got, you know, he was old and he got sick and his body stopped working and he's not coming back. And then you fill in all the details based on your spiritual mm -hmm. beliefs or your scientific beliefs. If it's heaven, if it's whatever it is, but you, you want to be explicit so they don't fantasize that there's mm -hmm. something else going on. And then you too might be incredibly sad. So you might say, I'm really sad mm -hmm. because this is, you know, for, if it's your, if it's a child's grandparent, then presumably it's a parent's parent. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, this is so sad for me because I'm so upset to lose my father. It makes me so sad to even imagine. But I know that I'm going to be okay and I just have to be sad right now. Mm -hmm. And if you have any questions or you want to be sad or you aren't sad, that's okay because there's no one way to grieve. Mm -hmm. So some days you might feel sad and other days you might think, I just wanted to play basketball. Yeah. And there's no wrong way. Everybody deals with things in their own time and with their own experience. And I just need you to know I'm okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and especially because we as adults, we want to cheer kids up, but you really need to let them know it's okay to be sad. Yeah. It's like part of the beautiful, wild experience of being a person. So our daughter's two and she's had a recent fascination with bugs. So mm -hmm. she, in uh, mm -hmm. one day, she would always go see this bug. We had like a potato bug that was always in one corner of our house at the same <laughs> point. Ever. So she'd be like, let's go see the bug. And then one day, the bug was dead. And she, it wasn't moving. And she goes, what's wrong with him? And I just said, "He's the bug's dead. At two, is that too young to introduce death? Is there a right age? Because I just wanted no. to be so pragmatic with her. That's totally the right age because mm -hmm. they start to notice exactly that. Flowers die, bugs die. That's like the first, mm -hmm. hopefully, fish. You know, mm -hmm. ideally, you get that kind of exposure mm -hmm. to death before big exposure yeah. to death. Right. And so you can explain it just like you did. And then they start to process and yeah. they might even ask questions. Well, she, now she just points at things that, like, when she sees a dead bug, now she goes, That's dead. Or when something's exactly. Exactly. It's important. That's no, that's totally, it's actually very age appropriate for oh, two good. and three year olds to ask about that life cycle stuff. That's amazing. And Aliza, we are just going to wrap up. And before we do so, if people want more information from you, if they want to listen to Raising Good Humans podcast, which mm -hmm. I know so many of our followers will, where can they find all of that information? Well, they could, I think the easiest way is to go to my Instagram at Raising Good Humans podcast mm -hmm. because I have not created a website for it yet. <laughs> um, 
it's on my to-do list or go to iTunes and is there even an iTunes anymore? Apple podcast rather? Podcast yeah, the app. podcast app. Type <laughs> type in Raising Good Humans. Yep. Yeah. And subscribe. And That's subscribe. The, yeah, that'd and be the best um way. and then I have a website for work. I have two websites, Mount Sinai Parenting Center.org, because I'm the co-founding director of a parenting center at Mount Sinai, and then seedlingsgroup.com. And there's some information on there for mom groups and parent groups and all that stuff. That's well, amazing. thank you so much. We'd love yeah. to talk to you longer, but we're realizing Zoom has a 40-minute time <laughs> limit if you do not upgrade. I know. So. <laughs> it kind of keeps things contained. It does. So if we get disconnected, I'll know that you said goodbye. And I'm so grateful that I got to talk to you guys. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Likewise. We are so grateful, too. Yeah. Take care. Again, thank you so much for your time. And I have a beautiful you. birth. Thank Good you luck. so much, Bye-bye. guys. Take thank care. You. Bye, guys. Shane, give me your thoughts on the Eliza interview. Really liked it. I thought it was, she had a good sense of humor, which isn't always uh, associated with doctors. If you are a parent and you found her as helpful as we did, check out her podcast, Raising Good Humans. Uh, It really is fantastic. And I think it's consistently rated one of the best parenting podcasts. It's top five for sure. You always see it. And no matter which podcast I click on, it's like, you may also like uh, Raising Good Humans. Okay, but since this is a, a bit of a supersode. Total supersode. We failed to mention that off the top, but it is a supersode. We're going to go to Tyler McBroom, who's going to sweep away all your worries when it comes to American tax filing. And this is for Americans. We are going to have a Canadian expert on, but if you are American, and especially if you are a business owner. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, you're going to want to listen to this or someone who maybe has a side hustle, which mm-hmm. I guess you're a business owner. So we're going to get to that right after Alex. Let's everyone know that. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes, as you've heard me say, the best nursing bras on this planet. And I will stand behind that. And if you don't want to take Alex's word for it, take mine. <laughs> These are the best bras that I've ever heard Alex talk about. (laughs) She even had an idea where I'm going to wear one on an episode. We're going to do it. You have to experience the comfort. Shane, I'm wondering if I should put you in one of my nursing bras or in one from their everyday collection. Just surprise me. (laughs) So the everyday collection, they have no clips. So you don't need to be a mother who is nursing or a woman in postpartum to use it. You could just wear it. Same amazing comfort for your boobs. So if you want to check out their everyday collection, you can only do that on the Canadian website, which is ca.bravadodesigns.com. However, their American site, which is bravadodesigns.com, has all of their amazing nursing bras, which honestly, the first time after I had Lucy, I just wore right into postpartum and beyond. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree20, you're going to get 20% off whatever you order from Bravado Designs. Bingo. But we are also supported by... Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Seedlip's crafted without alcohol, without sugar, and without calories. And solves the dilemma of what to drink whenever you're not drinking. I prefer this over alcohol, and I'm the last guy (laughs) to prefer something like this over alcohol. It's funny because I've actually made an alcoholic version of a Seedlip cocktail and have liked it way less. Seedlip just has its own thing going for it, and I appreciate that so much. I know when Shane and I sit down for a cocktail, it just tastes like any other cocktail we're having, even without the alcohol. Especially if you're just going to have one drink. Yeah. You don't get any of that stupid, tired, lethargic feeling. 
Yes. Especially if you're going to go for like a supper time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And unlike any other mocktails that we might make or take out of a can, it's not overcome with sugar and with a juicy taste. Oh, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. Oh, I know. It's it's so true. So whether you prefer a punchy citrus flavor, aromatic spices or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. So Shane's favorite I know is the Garden 108, and I'm kind of split between Spice 94 and Grove 42. Well, which it is... depends on which drink it is, honestly. Absolutely. And every single one of the variants pair so well with a splash of tonic, but if you want to get a little creative like Shane and I did tonight, you can check out the Seedlip cocktail book where they will have a ton of different cocktails you can make. So head to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and follow at seedlipsocial on Instagram for more ways to enjoy Seedlip. But enjoy this interview with the amazing Tyler McBroom. Tyler, thank you so much for joining us today. So Tyler, you are a CPA, a certified public accountant, correct? Yes. All right. And I'm going to start off this by saying Shane and I are the two people most in need of talking to somebody about anything to do with finances because we are the lay people of lay people mm-hmm. when it comes to understanding this. So gotcha. what do you do? What is it that a certified public accountant does? Yeah. I mean, there's two sides of it. There's what you do for business owners and then there's, there's what you do kind of for people in their personal life. The profession is transitioning more to working with just business owners, but really it's all about one piece is helping you pay as little tax as legally possible. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece is really running the numbers of your life. So I'm a business partner with Tony Robbins and we talk about this all the time wow. and, and he shares it at his business mastery events that a lot of business owners think that because their accountant says that they make profit, Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that that translates into actual cash to the bank. So they might be thinking that they're running on a, a full tank of gas, but it's actually on empty. So what a lot of what we do in our business is help you know your numbers so that it's not just numbers on a sheet of paper, but it comes to life and you actually know what they mean. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, increasing both your profits and lowering your taxes. So it's not just about what you make, it's about what you keep. Mm -hmm. Right. And then on the personal side of things, you know, just helping make sure you get your tax returns filed and we help kind of consult on putting money away and just general, general money stuff as well. This is, this is good because our tax woman Yolanda, I don't think is too well versed in these kinds of things because we aren't saving anything. (laughs) And and it could be our fault for not bringing it up to her, right? It's it's definitely our fault. So do you feel like most people do their taxes incorrectly? I would say most business owners leave a lot of money on the table. Mm. Right. When it comes to being in, so in the United States, a W-2 is the form you get if you're an employee. So I think there's a different form in Canada. T4 in Canada. Yeah. But we'll, uh, I think we'll make it, I'll make an introduction to the other Canadian Thank CPAs you. so we get that, get that done. But if you're an employee, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room there. It's kind of, there's one correct answer mm-hmm. and technology is getting so good that you're going to get pretty close on your tax return if you're an employee working for another company. If you're a business owner, boy, is there a whole new side. It's like, you know, Aladdin and Jasmine, a whole new world. (laughs) I like that. Tax savings opportunity. In the United States, you could literally stand across the room from me if I hold the tax code. Mm -hmm. You could shoot a Colt 45 at me and it wouldn't pierce through the tax code because it's so thick. So there's... But that, so that being said, it's very complex, but there's also a ton of opportunity to, to really bend that and flex that. And there's, I can tell you just from meeting with thousands of business owners over the years, so many of them say, why didn't I meet you sooner? Mm-hmm. Because their current accountants just filling out the forms. So, I mean, 
all current all accounts are filling out the forms, but there's a lot of them that are just sort of looking backwards versus forwards. That was Yolanda. But I was reading your post on Instagram and you had one about saving $25,000 and you said that, you know, you get into that conversation within, within your first 30 minutes of talking to a new client. Yeah. It, that's for business owners, correct? And correct. how the hell is it possible to start saving that amount of money and not even realize that that was possible? Yeah. So there's a couple different things you can do. And I, actually, I know there's a, a similar rule in Canada, but in the United States, you can hire your children if they're under 18. There's no payroll taxes on the wages and you can pay them up to $12,000 and have zero federal income tax. Even if your daughter is like, we've got a uh, four week old here. Yeah. Really? Do you ever post pictures on social media with her? Yes. So she's a model helping you build your brand, right? Wow. So for we have two daughters. We have a two-year-old and the four-week-old. We could be... Yeah. So we have a client who actually had a model like children that were models. And so we did a little market research because you actually, you actually have to do something for the wage mm -hmm. to justify paying them. I so see. what could a four week old do to earn $12,000? Well, we went to our client who has model children and we said, what do they get paid? And they get paid $500 per shoot. And so you could, and it just so happens to be $500 per shoot times sign them up on a monthly retainer for a couple shoots a month. Jeez. That's $12,000 a year, which is that tax-free amount. My goodness. And so if you've got multiple, that's, so that's $12,000 of a tax deduction right. times your tax rate. So if you're in a 33% tax rate, that's $4,000 of cash per child in your pocket. Amazing. So one client who had nine children, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was a good deal for him. No kidding. See, I'm not you know. looking to have any more kids. But that would be one of the things that might sway me. So for all you American influencers listening, yeah. do that. But mom, so like I, yeah. I run a mom account and everything and the podcast is a family and motherhood podcast. And then my account in general, my daughters are, that's the only reason But this I'm might there. be only for Americans. So we're going to have to tackle. But, but, but I'm thinking for uh, Americans who are doing the same thing as me. Yes. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Like yeah. even just for social media stories or like it doesn't have to be with a company. It can just be at home stuff. If it's yeah. your business. I mean, it's part, mm -hmm. if it's part of the brand and your store, just like if you, if you were, say you're doing a, I don't know, a Tide laundry commercial mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you had to hire a kid because they spilled the juice and now mom's <laughs> cleaning it up. It's the same thing. You're just spilling the juice on your Instagram stories yeah. and telling the story. And I know that in Canada, there is a rule that allows that. It's just, there's a couple of different steps you got to do. So I know that I don't know the steps, but I know mm. that is definitely something you can take advantage That's of. That's amazing. And is there a certain amount of money you need to make to be considered to have a legitimate business? Or is it just once you make that first dollar, you're a business? It's as long as you're legitimately operating like a business where you get into trouble is if it's a business that's also something people like to do. Right. So like if you start a photography business, people take pictures for fun. But if you're operating it like a business where you've got a set of books and you're sending people invoices and collecting yeah. money, then you can start taking deductions right away. Mm -hmm. Now, you, there's certain hobby rules where you have to show profit at least a couple, a couple years out of five in order to you know, be treated as a business. Right. Now, if you're starting your insurance business, very few people are selling insurance as a hobby. So even if you aren't showing any profit, it's pretty easy to justify that you're doing this for business purposes. And so if you're on kind of one of those on the fence businesses, like an influencer type of person or photography or 
you know, wedding planning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of some others that might be typical hobbies. Uh, equestrian, you know, horse, mm-hmm. horse collecting is a common one. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure you're doing activities that make it like you're a real business. Right. Even, so that even if you have some losses, then those are going to be allowed and deductible on your tax return. All right. So that kid one's a great tip. Like this is one of those situations where I'm so out of the loop. I don't even know what to ask. What's another thing that people aren't doing that you think they should be? Yeah. So I can share just one specific rule that we really like. It's it, This is a U.S. specific rule, and I'm not sure if there's something similar for the, the Canadian listeners. But in the U.S., there's a rule called the Augusta rule. And it's a rule that says if you own your home and it's your principal residence, you can have a mortgage on it. You just got to be on the Mm -hmm. title. You can rent it up to 14 days a year tax free. And what that's meant for is let's say you go on a trip for a week and you want to get part of that trip paid for. So you put your home up on Airbnb and you rent it out and you get $2,000 for that. Well, the IRS says, you know, if you're living in that home most of the year, it's your only home and it's under 15 days a year, you're not really in the business of renting. So we'll just give it to you tax-free. That's awesome. Mm. So what we have our clients do is hold a monthly shareholder board meeting at their house. And you hold a meeting with me, myself, and I. It works really well if you have a split personality (laughs) or or if you're, you know, married to your business partner. And you discuss some business items with yourself at your house. And you rent the use of that house out to your company. And so as an example of how much you use for rentals. Usually it's the value of the home with the three zeros knocked off. So a 10th of a percent. So if your home is worth $500,000, you do $500 per meeting times 14 meetings per year is $7,000 tax-free out of your business. Wow. Which beats a poke in the eye with a stick. We're already at, we're already over 25,000. If you and I were living in the States and talking to Tyler about tax tips, you and I would have already been over 25,000 in savings with the two kids and with that rule. Yeah. That's insane. Now, how important is it to keep your receipts? Because my tax guy was like, keep every receipt, including like if I went to McDonald's and bought a cheeseburger, I was keeping receipts and I put them in a big envelope. And then it didn't yeah. seem like I even needed to do that. Or they go in your pocket and then through the laundry three or four <laughs> oh, times. And 100%. You discover them six months later. And then am um, I going to be audited? And then will I need them? Like how common is that? How much do we need to save here? So having receipts is critical for it being held up. But they don't need to be a paper receipt. So there's a whole lot of receipt tracking type of apps out there with your phone. And and even if you just use your iCloud so that it saves it to you know your drive, so at least you have the pictures. But I strongly encourage just taking pictures of receipts. Mm-hmm. So in your in your McDonald's example, now this is assuming that McDonald's meal is a business meal, not exactly. just a regular meal. They're all business meals. But if it's a business meal, which after I finish this little tip, I'll, I'll share what you need to document a business meal. But you would just, while you're there, you take a picture of the receipt, and then you have it saved, it's on your cloud, and then you can just leave the receipt there and it's stored. Now, at a worst case, just take a picture and it's on your phone. Best case is there's apps like Receipt Bank or Expensify, and you take a picture and it saves it for as long as the audit statute in your state requires, and then exports it into your QuickBooks so that it's literally on the expense item, there's a PDF picture of the receipt so that if you get audited, it's all just right there. Awesome. And it reads the last four digits of the credit card that you used to pay, the vendor, and it automatically categorizes the expense so that all you're doing is just taking a picture and it's in your books. 
then you can be busy. Why can't I just rely on my uh, digital banking? I do all my banking online. If I'm using my debit card, it's it's showing up that I bought that $3 cheeseburger from McDonald's via debit. Why isn't that good enough? So that's a great question. And it gets into documentation. Two, so two reasons. One is they want an itemized receipt to see what you actually bought. So an mm-hmm. example might be you're going to fill up on gas. So you, you think, okay, I use my car for work. Of course, it shows you know the gas station on the bank statement. Of course, it's a fuel expense. Well, if you get a really sticky auditor, they might say, you know, how did I know you didn't go into the quick stop in there while you're filling up and buy two cases of beer? Right. Yeah. And then they throw it out because it's not on the receipt. And because it's so easy with technology now to take pictures of receipts, the IRS is our taxing authority. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Canadian CRA, Revenue yeah. Yeah. Agency. Is cracking down more on wanting that require those that documentation because it's so simple to do so. And then on the like a meal side, so you need five things to deduct a meal. The first three are on the receipt. And that is the place, the name of the restaurant, the date of the actual business meal, and then the amount. Those are there on the receipt. The mm-hmm. other two are not. And that is who you met with and what's your business relationship with them. And then what you discussed that was the business item. Right. And so to get to your question about the, you know, if it just says McDonald's on my bank statement, of course, it's a business meal. Well, they want to see those other couple items of number one, what is that? So that, you know, if you're going to, a meal and you rang up a $70 tab, well, it might be a, a nice steak dinner and there's two forty dollars you know, $235 entrees versus 13 beers. I'm using all you know alcohol yeah. examples, I guess, here because it's just kind <laughs> of fun dinner. You know, so by having that itemized receipt that shows, okay, these were obviously two people eating because these are these are the food mm-hmm. items that were ordered. You know, if it's four kids' meals and one cheeseburger, it's probably going to be tough to justify that that's a business meal. Right. Unless you're, you know, having all of your children employees out <laughs> for team lunch. But by having that itemized receipt with handwritten, who you met with, what you discussed, take that picture and it's stored, that's going to ironproof you. So in, in the app you're talking about, the app that has a spot where you can write who you were with and everything like that. No, I, I mean, literally with a pen. Oh. So handwrite it on the, on the receipt. Oh, before, wow. Okay. You know, when you get like the sleeve where they give you the, the receipt in mm. and you add the tip while you're adding the tip, take the, the customer copy and just write down the name of the person you're having lunch with or dinner with. And then what you discussed and then take the picture and leave it at the table. So, and you do that every time. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. So we need to get in it. So if you were discussing something like taking a lunch so you could sit down in a restaurant and discuss business with your business partner, but they're not there, they're over the phone. So Shane and I work uh, our regular jobs in different cities. But uh-huh. typically often, not the last five months. Well, but yeah. yeah, but we'll take a lunch, right? And we will both sit down and lunch, but we'll discuss our business and we'll do this, you know, once a week or whatever. Are those able to get written off even though we aren't physically together? Well, so in the United States, there's a specific exclusion for excessive meals with a spouse, even if they're in the business. Okay. So if it's like husband and wife, you can't do that where you're just having having lunch all the time and, and writing it off. If it's a business partner that's an, that's not a spouse, we have a saying: pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. So <laughs> you want to you can uh, occasionally, maybe a couple times of the month, if you're getting out of the office to have a discussion, distraction free, mm-hmm. then that can be reasonable to to deduct those. But if you're meeting every every day over lunch to discuss, that's that's just kind of normal eating. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'd say maybe once or twice a month you can get away with that. 
so like we we plan our our business by the, this is an excellent book by the way scaling up okay. uh, and in it they talk about meeting rhythms and your leadership team is supposed to have a monthly strategy meeting as part of the meeting rhythm mm -hmm. and then you do weekly leadership meetings in addition to that so if you've got it kind of in your agendas and documentation that you do regular monthly meetings and it makes sense to have those in a distraction-free place mm -hmm. like a restaurant then I would say that's a for sure, you know, once a month, get out of the yeah. office. Like, mm -hmm. so my dad and I are partners and we do that and we eat, you know, we're, we're in the business and we deduct those meals mm -hmm. and, and it's legitimate. Nice. See, it, it's hard to get away clearly and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and work uh, with no distractions. Cause our you work... can bring your employee along. Well, yeah. Exactly. Can we please not <laughs> babysitter? But uh, that's fantastic. And I just want to ask about personal taxes again. Is there anything that, because I think a lot of our followers are, you know, just thinking about their own household taxes. Yeah. Is there anything that they're doing wrong or that, you know, they're missing out on generally? Yeah, so, so there's a couple kind of basic things that you can do as, a, as an individual to lower your tax bill. One is, it, so before I say what those are, I want to put a caveat that, when we're talking about taxes and deductions, a lot of people say, I, I want to take the deduction and write it off because it's a write-off. Yeah. But because I'm going to talk about charitable contributions. Mm -hmm. So if you deduct a thousand dollars, you're still out a thousand dollars. Then you might save two hundred and fifty dollars. Right. But net you're still out seven hundred and fifty dollars. So that caveat, so saying, you know, if if you have a chari charity you're passionate about. That's a great way to funnel those dollars and get a deduction for giving to an actual charity. Mm -hmm. Another one is setting up what's called an HSA account for your health insurance. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's in the United States, there's a couple different types of health insurance policies you can have. And there's one with a high deductible plan, but that gives you the ability to put money into a tax deductible savings account that you can use those dollars on for your medical expenses. Right. And you can put around six or $7,000 a year into there. So you save two or $3,000 in tax and can use all of that money to pay for your prescriptions or your doctor visits and all, and all of that. So that's a good, you know, maxing that out every year. Mm -hmm. It's not a use it or lose it where it disappears at the end of the year. It really functions like a savings account and right. earns interest. And uh, that, and then of course, We've got a, a retirement account called the 401k. So if you max that out, you can get up to a $19,000 tax deduction, even as an employee, if, you're, if your employer offers it. If your employer doesn't offer it, then you can open up what's called a traditional IRA and put, I think it's, it changes every year. I think it's $6,000 in the current year mm -hmm. and, and get a deduction there. And then you're investing in your retirement account and saving some taxes now. That's and then you'll pay taxes on it when you pull it out in retirement. But you get a deduction now. So I'm those saying, are a couple of the ones that you can do as a, a non-business owner. Mm -hmm. I'd say even just hearing this, it makes me really understand the scope of the non-knowledge that I have about anything like this. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy we've gotten the chance to talk to you. Yeah, do you get a crazy tax return every year? Yeah. When, when you say you mean like a refund? Yeah. I'm glad you asked that because I want to just talk about that concept really quickly. Mm -hmm. So I don't, and here's why. So. Tax refunds are actually interest-free loans to the government. And so most people are really stoked to get a big old refund mm -hmm. at the end of the year when that actually means they just lent the government 
interest-free money all year long versus having that in their own bank account. Right. So it's a bad thing. Yeah. So if hmm. if you get a, a $6,000 refund at the end of the year, that means you could have had an extra $500 a month take home on your paycheck every, right. every month. Hmm. And you could have been putting that in, in investment that earns money or mm -hmm. spending it how you want throughout the year and not penny pinching or living off. Of, if you're living off of a credit card and, hang, and are carrying balances yeah. and also get tax refunds, yeah. That means you're losing that 18% that you're paying in the credit Jeez. card and you should go and get, fill out a W4 to change your withholdings to get more take home and pay, pay more towards that credit card instead of being excited about the refund. As a business owner, there's no withholdings that get, gets withheld out of the money that you make. So you have to send in quarterly estimates. So usually we don't get refunds as a business owner. We just end up sending in less. I see. But I'm really glad you asked that because that's in a really important concept that most mm -hmm. people don't understand that getting a refund is actually a bad thing. You want to come as close to zero as possible. But still, when you get that check, it's hard <laughs> oh, not it's to get excited. Feeling. Okay. So it's, I guess it's knowing yourself. So if mm -hmm. you're naturally a spender, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's sort of a forced savings plan. Mm -hmm. but I would recommend taking that refund and investing it and putting it away in actual savings every year when you get it instead of doing the you know, the refund payday where you can go get a new, get a new bed or get a new lawn, right on lawnmower w w secured against your refund. Use it as a forced savings plan. Right. And don't hit the strip. Maybe right on lawnmowers are uh, strictly United States. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a very big lawn. So no. uh, if we did, <laughs> my tax return. We don't, e we don't either. Enough. But uh, <laughs> now who is this Canadian associate we're going to be speaking with? So his name's Bob Gav Gavro. Mm -hmm. I've done a course with him actually, where we, we had about 50, it was 13 weeks of personal finance and tax saving strategies. Mm -hmm. And about half the course was Canadian. So uh, I found him through a Facebook group with a bunch of accountants. And so he did a great job teaching our, our Canadian attendees about Canadian tax. So I'll, I'll put the two of you in touch and nice. I'm, I'm sure he'll be happy. Is the difference that, quite so. large, you think? What's the, that? The disparity between uh, Canadian and American taxes, you think it's Most quite Most of large? it's pretty si similar in concepts. Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty similar. Okay. It, there's just a little, it's more about the strategies in terms of the outcome are similar. It's more the semantics of, of how, how you move the money to make it happen. Right. right. And before we go, I have a general interest question. How did you yeah. get set up with Tony Robbins? Great question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a story of persistence, actually. Okay. It's, I, I love, I, it's actually a fun story. Through Bob, actually. So he mentioned, so Tony has this program called the Global Accounting Advisors. Mm -hmm. And it's a network of accountants around the country. And Bob was telling me about it up in Can from, you know, being from Canada. He told me about the program. He had been to one of Tony's Business Mastery events. And he gave me the name of the guy who was running the program as an Australian. Uh, and I emailed, his name is Paul. And I emailed Paul, we just cold emailed him and said, hey, I, this was back when we were four employees, we're 28 now, um, and 29 now. We hadn't even started doing Instagram or any of that. Yeah. But we cold emailed him and said, hey, you know, we, do, we provide a lot of value to our clients. We really think we'd be a good fit for this program. And his assistant replied and said, great, are you free at X time? And we were so fired up and excited. Yeah. Well, he's in Australia. So it was 10 p.m. our time. And my dad, who's my partner, replied and said, is there any way we can make that so that during an overlap period in our in our uh, in our schedules where it's still our work day or at least our normal day? And his assistant replied and said, uh, "Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, we didn't get that rescheduled for about three years. <laughs> so I learned a valuable lesson that day, not to reschedule on a major opportunity. Oh, I would have never door. done that. I would have done it at 3 a.m. Oh, I know. I was, I was like, oh my God, why did we send an email? But anyways, so Tony says things happen for you, not to you. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely the truth because at that time we had just launched our offshore team in the Philippines. Oh, wow. We had a lot of work to do on that. And we were four people. So the opportunity of partnering with Tony Presents would have just blown us up, like probably just made us implode on ourselves. Last year, we started last August. We got the call and we got it. And we hopped on a plane to Vegas and we were at the event. And now I'm speaking at Business Mastery next week. Amazing. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. And so it just, we were much more prepared to handle that. So in the meantime, how that happened, though, is I started building my brand. My Instagram account was growing. Uh, and so I kept just every two or three months, just, hey, I wanted to check in. Can we hop on the calendar? Can we hop on the calendar? I really think we'd be a good fit. See how I'm providing value. You can check out my Instagram. And then I wrote a couple articles for Forbes. So I said, hey, I just want to check in. Here's the articles I wrote. I think we're aligned, et cetera, et cetera. And then they came into a point where they wanted to fill in a spot with one, uh, an additional partner. And they said, are you free for to jump on a call? And he said, yes. And if you can hop in Vegas, to Vegas in two weeks, then we'll see you there. And it's yours. And, and uh, you know, now Tony and I are, you know, really, you know, good friends. And it's it's really been a fun relationship to, to have. And, of course, been a great success for our, our business as well. I bet. That's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. So I'm sure that aside from tax advice, you could probably offer since you're in the business of running your own business, a lot of business advice as well to, you know, American entrepreneurs, if uh, they're interested in contacting you and having you work with them. So where can listeners find you? I would say the the place I spend the the most time, probably even more than my email is uh, Instagram. I'm there a lot. You know, I I mean, that's how you came across me. Uh, which I appreciate. Uh, so just at Tyler McBroom on Instagram, I'm posting daily tax tips there. That's a real to, name. Uh, what's that? That's a real name. Your real name. That's my real name. It's a cool name. Oh, yeah. Very cool. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's just, it's at my name and feel free to DM me and you know, I'm, I'm in there answering and pretty much all of them. It ebbs mm-hmm. and flows during tax time. It gets of a little course. tougher, but, but yeah, reach out and happy to chat. Hell yeah. Right. Well, contact Tyler. He will try to help save you $25,000 on your business. He'll sweep away your worries. That's right. <laughs> you can use that. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Make it a clean sweep. Yeah. There you go. Tyler, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank we really you. Thanks for it. having me. Absolutely. All Take right. care. You have a good night. See ya. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Okay, McBroom. I feel like if some of those things are transferable to Canada, we're going to make a lot of money. Oh, gosh. Or save I, a lot of money. I am praying that the hiring your own kids at four weeks old is transferable to Canada. Praying. Yeah, it's so good. Man, I'm just thinking. I, I can't wait to talk to the Canadian guy to see <laughs> what, what's applicable and what's not. No, absolutely. But uh, I hope any American moms, and I know so many of our listeners are entrepreneurs in some sort. I get a lot of messages about, hey, like, do you think what do you think about this as a business and could we ever talk about you know working together whatever and um it is so amazing to see so many women starting their own businesses so i hope you all got something really good out of tyler ditto but let's get to the part that we like the best which is where we answer listener questions i love this i hope the listeners love it because it's definitely fun it's a time when we get to connect 
with the listeners. So first question, Shane, why does it feel strange calling body parts by their proper name to my two-year-old? She now says penis. Well, I think it's weird seeing a uh, a kid say adult <laughs> phrases. It, it, like if, if Lou said architecture, I think <laughs> that would be weird, right? So penis is a weird word anyway, because it just sounds so like penis it sounds so formal and the the hard e is weird and it makes it but you know what i mean it's like it's like moist like it's what? just you know the word moist how it's so cringy? oh yeah it's like, sorry i got messed up i heard fine. hard e and moist. <laughs> no but it's it's cringy penis is a cringy word like moist but Shane and I, we've spoken about this before. We are very adamant about calling body parts what they're supposed to be called with Lucy and with Betty. And this has been proven to help things, like to help children in sexual assault cases and things like that. And just for science, it's Wait, good to know Wait, how does it help sexual assault again? Because then kids are able to identify very clearly what happened to them. And it's been proven that perpetrators are less likely to assault a child if the kid actually knows what's going on. Right. Yeah, what do you call boobs? What's the real word for boobs? Okay, this is the only one I guess I don't use. Breasts? Oh, breasts. I forgot. I find breasts kind of hard to say. Breasts. It's the S-T-S. Breasts. Breasts. You know what I mean? It's awkward, so I just say boobies. If you had to say one or the other, what would you prefer to say? Penis or breasts? (laughs) Honestly, I have an easier time saying penis but breasts is less cringy. Hmm. But I will say both just to say the right thing. Breasts, penis. Hmm. What would you rather say? I think penis. Penis might be it's easier to say. Yeah. I've never had a hard time with penis. No. No. <laughs> no. But yeah, no, it is we feel much better saying these things even if it is awkward, but really we're the only ones as adults that have awkwardness about these words kids don't they have no stigma attached to these so if we you know have them growing up using the proper vocabulary for these body parts then they won't have stigma about these words and then it'll only lead to easier conversation when it comes time for you to give them the talk when it comes time for them to learn about these things in school so there are so many advantages to using them even if it does feel weird to have your two-year-old saying vulva Although Lucy says it pretty cute, Shane. Have you ever heard her say that? Heard her say vulva? Yeah. No. She says bulba. And oh. it's it's pretty adorable and hilarious. But I think even if Lucy said stigma, I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> that's weird. So I think any adult words, just if if, yeah. if we're boiling it down to why is it weird, it's, it's always weird when a ch- very small child, mm-hmm. three or under, is saying any words that are adult. But... You know, penis makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, especially. So I think you're exactly right. And then especially when there's stigma attached to them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it, it makes sense. But I do think that if you're getting your kid to say that, you're on the right track. Like if, let's say I got hit with a football in the groin <laughs> by my friend. He threw a football yeah. and hit me in the penis. If he was like. <laughs> Just saying it hit me in the penis Yeah, is but if, if he was like, hey man, how's your penis? <laughs> I'd be like, this guy is weird. Just call it a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah, but because you already know what it is and everything, I think it's easier. And honestly, who knows? Maybe the next generation, if we're all making a conscious effort to teach our kids these proper words, maybe it'll be easier to say, oh, man, you hit me in the penis, and it would be fine. Let's hope for the next generation. What's the next question? (laughs) 
Can you please suggest some lockdown activities for toddlers running out over here? Okay, we had the woman, what was her name? Susie Allison. Okay. From The Busy Toddler. Okay, even though I don't want to promote her because she said she was going to share our episode and she didn't, I will say she did have a good suggestion <laughs> with, <laughs> well, Vendetta. just being honest here, it's episode 50, um, putting a popsicle in a bathtub. N- not well, just putting putting, <laughs> putting your kid in a bathtub. Yeah. And then handing yeah, them yeah. Don't a popsicle. Just, yeah. Otherwise it'll melt. Or they'll drink the bath water. Exactly. Yeah. Yucky. So put your kid it's called a popsicle bath and it's as simple as it sounds. Fill a tub up, put your kid in it, give them a popsicle. It takes them at least what, five to ten minutes to eat a popsicle. That gives you as a parent five to ten minutes to chill out gives your kid five to ten minutes to chill out i usually do this when lucy's like upset or cranky or something and it's just like pressing a reset button Mm -hmm. and it makes her pleasant and tolerable again it is weird that she would say she's going to share an episode like we didn't ask her to share it she went out of her way to she liked it yeah she enjoyed the experience i maybe i don't know i don't know either popsicle bath is good Maybe we did something bad. Yeah. Okay. What's the next question? Oh, and I will say, actually, Nona taught me something. So cut out all the letters of their name in cardboard and then just slowly, you know, say, teach them how to spell their names. Like, where's the L, Lucy? And then she has to go on a search for the five letters in her name for the L and so on for all the letters. It's a fun, like, puzzly game for her. And then hopefully they get to get more familiar with their name. Yeah, Lucy uh, didn't know anything about her, like how to say her name at yeah. all. She it was the one word she wouldn't say. Is yeah, for name. the longest time. Now it's almost annoying. Everything's in third person. <laughs> Lucy likes waffles. Lucy thinks that's cool. No, that's Lucy's. Now it's like I wish you didn't know your name. The next question: What would you like each other to do more and less of? Well, Alex, you are pretty good, <laughs> you know. So it's hard for me to get pick. out. Of here. No, you are. I'm being honest here. Uh, I just want to be authentic here. Okay, so if I, I'd say sometimes, not all the time. <laughs> She's trying to keep me happy. <laughs> but when we argue, mm-hmm. let's say we're arguing about our taxes just because we had McBroom on and it seems like something we wouldn't argue about. Right. So I don't want to get in the hot water here, but we're arguing about our taxes. And let's say I made a really good point in the argument. Or I thought it was at least. Okay. And a fly buzzes by. You'd be like, why is there flies in here? And then all of a sudden you're deviating and talking about the flies in the room. Okay. And it's like, let's not try to sidetrack the real argument at hand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I see this with arg- arguments that if a person feels like they have nothing else to say, they'll just change the subject and start talking about what they want to talk about, whether it pertains to the argument at hand. Right. And I feel like... You do that. And I could be wrong. Maybe this is my perception. Maybe you are just annoyed with the fly in the room genuinely. But I feel like it's a diversion tactic that really annoys the heck out of me. All right. That's fair. So that's what I could do less of. What could I do more of? What could you do more of? Cleaning. I feel like you just avoid it like the plague. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as do I. But I think we both need to uh, keep this puttering thing I was just going to say the puttering to save the marriage. You know, I I agree. I'm doing more of the cleaning already. It's been seven glorious days, and but I I get I get that completely because I am feeling better about it. And don't you feel like you? It sounds stupid, but you love me more if. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I think it's like love for the family and like wanting to be successful and happy at home and clean for the family. And yeah, no, definitely. Because I feel like you love me more when you do that. When I I clean. Yeah, I feel like you love me more. Why? Wait, explain this. Because you know it makes me happy. And 
I know what makes you happy, so you're happier because I think you think you care about a clean house less than you do. I think you care about it so much. And then you're so proud of yourself, mm-hmm. too. Then you're happier, then I'm happier. It's true. I get very proud of myself Before when I, I yeah. get done a task. Before I, love I know it. it, we're making out and talking about a third baby. Well, that's yet to happen, but I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And all right, so what do I think you can do more and less of? I think you can do less of to keep it going with the argument thing if i if we are in an argument or having a discussion and i say something that is that i found annoying or upsetting or offensive or whatever you could do less of explaining your way out of it and then just be like okay and then that what you can do more of is i think the making out you were just talking about we're making out, okay. Yeah, big so, fan of the making out. Even like when we were in the throes of like early passion, the relationship, mm-hmm. you know, when everyone's in the honeymoon phase, there's a lot of making out. Even then I was like, this woman makes out way too much. Hey, nothing wrong. There's never too much unless the other person isn't into it. Well, our, our, our second date, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an awkward person at some times and I was like, kind of feeling out like I knew I was obsessed yeah. with you I knew I like loved you even on our second date mm-hmm. but we're just walking down the street you just grabbed me in the middle of the street and made out with me I'm like Ooh, this is like a movie this is kind of cool but then <laughs> it just a minute and a half later I was like oh no I don't know if I like this well clearly, do you remember that yeah of course Do you remember where we went yeah, we, that's when we were at that restaurant on the corner or whatever the heck it's yeah, called. Yeah, but we just crossed the street and you just grabbed me and started making out. Well, I wanted to let you know that I liked you. I know, but it lasted a minute and a half. And that well, because not... then I started feeling hot and heavy. And then it just, it kind of, it happens a lot with well, you. Well, I mean, not lately, but it No, it no, worked. if I kissed you now and then if I just decided, I'll let her decide when it's time to wrap it up, you just wouldn't. Well, because it's fun. And honestly, now it's like it doesn't happen that often. You know, you don't have that like But that's the time. ironic part. The but, reason it doesn't happen that often. But you don't. No, it's not. I, I doubt you're finding many couples our age who are like making out on the regular, like making out on the regular. I just called one of my friends and uh, he sounded like he had a tongue in his mouth and he did. <laughs> he was making out with his wife while I was on the phone. You're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, what's another topic? <laughs> More making out, Shane. How about this? I'll cut down the length of the makeouts and you amp up the frequency of the makeouts. Okay. We can meet in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Do you feel like you found your groove with having a newborn and a toddler? Yeah. I feel like I always have a base level of stress or anxiety. So I haven't really noticed a huge difference. And I was telling you the other day when she's crying, Mm -hmm. I can hear her. But I don't really, it just kind of blends into the background noise in my mind. Because you, I guess, don't have the innate, you know, hear a baby crying. It's like, oh my God, I got to go feed her. Because like if I hear that, right, I don't get annoyed by it. And I think that's where you're, what you're saying. Like in the sense that it's like, oh, the baby's crying. Oh my God. It's not like that. It's not like a grating noise. But for me, it's like, oh shit, baby's crying. My nipples will start to leak. And then I'm like, I got to go feed her. I got to burp her. I got to change her or something. It's like, that's what goes through me when the baby's crying. It's yeah. not an annoyance. It's like a, oh crap, I got to do something. Mm-hmm. I think there are rare, like I'm always annoyed. So there is an advantage to that. <laughs> I, there's never a time where I'm really relaxing in my life. What, what has you always on that baseline level of annoyance? Well, just because life for me is a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Life's a struggle for me because people with anxiety are ridden with it, kind of. Um, it's just funny, Shane. Like, it, I, and I get that. I, I know I know what you mean. Like, I have stress relaxing because I'm like, I feel life, like I'm not relaxing enough. Saying my life is a struggle is just funny. Like, we're sitting and, like, we love our house. A beautiful house. I'm just going to make myself feel good here and just say, you've got a beautiful wife and two beautiful kids. And to say your life is a struggle is kind of funny. But Well, you're I sitting get it. with one of the most handsome guys ever, <laughs> and I've seen you. No, I'm kidding. But sometimes when you have something that's really good, mm-hmm. it's great. And I don't want to complain. But. The, the prospect of losing it, like this house, you know me, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I, like if you're like, hey, why do you work so hard? I'm like, we got to keep this house. You know, I'm like that guy out of the like cliche <laughs> argument. You like living here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like I am the breadwinner. And I did know? ask for sushi tomorrow. I made that request. Well, sushi sounds fancy. I'm not worried about the sushi is not that expensive, especially when it's from 7-Eleven, <laughs> which is on Uber Eats and isn't as bad as it sounds. <laughs> And you haven't noticed. Oh, get out of here. I think, you know, we each have our different stresses. You're more stressed about the baby. I'm more stressed about putting the money on the table. But yep. I am more stressed all the time, thus making this transition less difficult for me. Because you, you're more of a chill person. You have the ability to yeah. relax. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, what's the next question? All right. Let's see. Oh, and but I'm going to answer that. I think that... In general, yeah, totally fine in my groove. I think it's way easier, and I've said this before, going from, well, where we are in one to two kids rather than zero to one. But I think that with parenting, it's like just a constant cycle of finding your groove, then getting completely derailed and thrown off track, and then recalibrating again. And it's just every phase you get to, there's going to be something that throws you off. But the next question, what do you do for self-care? I'm struggling with two under two and breastfeeding constantly. So for me, I go for a walk every single day. That's what I can do physically, like for workouts right now. So even if I have to take one or both of the girls, I get out for an hour and I've been forcing myself to, like, I have, I think, either done one walk or two walks every single day for the last two weeks. And honestly, it feels so amazing. Even if I have the kids with me, it's just time out of the house moving and it feels so good you have to do it because i've tried not to i've tried being so overwhelmed and busy and i said i'm gonna skip my hour run i go on Mm -hmm. and then when i do i just burn out an hour earlier and i didn't go on the run anyway so i've tried every way to like extend my working hours in the day and i always get the same amount of proper working time i can do a really mindless task Mm -hmm. that's kind of work oriented but really Go on the workout and you'll actually be able to be happier. <laughs> yeah. No. And like I, you know, typically I might like to lay there and do a mask and paint my nails or whatever. But it's like what's actually going to make me feel good physically and mentally? Well, if, for, for us, it might be a workout. But for another person, no, it might be whatever. Like you know what it is, right? Yeah. But I, I think sometimes people get caught up in like, oh, self-care means taking a long bubble bath. It's like – Yeah. Pampering. You know what Pe- I mean? People think yes. it's pampering. They think self-care can't be yes. hard. No, but that's exactly – and that's what I was trying to look for. It's it's don't conflate self-care with pampering. Next question. Would you ever renew your wedding vows? I think I would, you know. It's <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're joking because we got in a mini fight about this before <laughs> when I said well, I wouldn't only because I didn't know what vows were. I honestly don't know what they are. That's where Okay. Cuz Shane was saying that we, we I make fun of wedding vows. I don't make fun of wedding vows and what they are. So I think what Shane 
meant and what he thinks wedding vows are because i still don't know that you fully understand like when we watch vanderpump rules and all these people are like doing their vows so okay on our anniversary the other night shane and i were like oh like it's so amazing how well we both remember looking in each other's eyes and holding each other's hands and going through the ceremony but that can never be duplicated so if we no, did that no, no. in 10 years from now i do of not course, think but okay. but if that's it serves a different purpose i think when you renew gotcha but vows are that moment when you take your partner's hand in the ceremony and say i promise to love you until we die probably for richer for poorer for sickness and in health those things right you remember saying those yeah okay yeah. so would i say that again and want to well no, well, it, it depends. So that's what vows are. But then when we make fun of it is like on Vanderpump Rules when Jacks, it's time for him to say his vows. He takes the microphone, isn't looking at Britney, is putting on a show for everybody in the audience and is like, Britney is my this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And I love her and I love everybody here because I've been through a lot of my life. Okay. And they go on these like tangents. And that's what we make fun of. I know. Like, I feel weird having a party for myself. Like, I would celebrate our anniversary. Yeah. And I would want to really, you're the only person I'd really want to chat with and go over mm-hmm. all of our memories. I don't want to, like, I don't even like parties oh, that much. I wouldn't want it to be like a, like a party. I wouldn't want other people to be there. I would happily renew our vows for like the 10th anniversary for like, or if there was ever a time when we're like, let's do this just to remind each other, like if we go through something tough, just to remind each other that we love each other. But I wouldn't want people to be there. I just wanted you and I like going in and then maybe leaving and going out and getting drunk at dinner and, you know. Okay, so it's a ceremony that you and I go for and we do privately. Would I be want to do that? That's the question? I guess, yeah. No. <laughs> Why not? I guess it seems unnecessary. Maybe if it was like for, maybe if it was for Instagram, I guess, and <laughs> and I, we knew it was going to be like an awesome post. No, like, I mean, like 10 years down the line. I get right? it. Yeah, I get it. You don't think that you'd ever want to be like reminded or anything? Of I'm like always why. reminded though. Like, I think you underestimate how sentimental I am. I'm way more sentimental than you. Twice, three times more what? sentimental than you. Way more. You're more that's like... A, that's a huge statement to me. I'm the most mis- nostalgic person <laughs> in the world. Like, I want to play Sega Genesis every night and Nintendo yeah, but because... Yeah, that's, that's actual, like, nostalgia objects. I'm talking about a relationship. I'm nostalgic about this relationship. I reminisce about old times. I'm always talking about, like, if we got a pizza two years ago, I'm like, remember that pizza? I know, but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily say that I'm going to go forward, even though we've already been together 15 years, I'm going to go forward in the next 15, continuing to choose you every day, continuing to, you know, strive to make you happy, things like that. Like, that's the point of the vows. It's not like for a walk down memory lane, kind of. Okay. I guess that doesn't <laughs> do anything for me. I'm sorry, but like yeah. all those proclamations mean nothing to me. What means something to you? The way you show that you appreciate right things like to me that means more like i don't know i hate pageantry but is it pageantry if there's nobody to perform in front of like if it's just two people and a minister or whatever yeah because yeah (laughs) who are you performing for i don't know and you want to tell people you did it at parties okay if you can do it it's like donating to charity right if we could donate five hundred thousand dollars to charity and shut the fuck up about it Mm -hmm. never tell anyone I'd be like, whoa. But, you know, even if we did it, we'd, there'd be some moment where you'd be talking to your friends be like, oh, yeah, it was no big deal. Shane and I just, <laughs> we went away. We we didn't want to bother people. It's just because of our love. And we went to Vegas. And I wanted to do that last time we went to Vegas. I know. But I'm just saying it would be pageantry still. Oh, well, yeah, because that would be like, if we're in Vegas, it'd be totally fun for Instagram. 
who knows? Who knows? I'll ask, I'll revisit this question in another six years on our 10th and see where you stand. Yeah, like, let's just go out and have a nice dinner and talk about stuff. Or go on a <laughs> cool vacation. Nah, I'm down. Wait, so you're passionate about renewing the No, vows? I'm not passionate about it. I'm just not against it. Okay, I'm not against it either. <laughs> no, I, I could be for I do think there's a lot of beauty in it is basically uh, where I stand on that. Agreed. What's the next topic? <laughs> that... Uh, that is, babe. That's the last topic. Okay. Well, geez, fifty episodes. Boy, did that fly by. But Mr. Nostalgia. Yeah, I could. You know, I could talk about it all night. <laughs> but I do want to thank all the listeners because that's really the reason we do oh, it. If it's we, huge. if people weren't following along, I don't think I'd be half as motivated as I am because mm-hmm. I get excited to be popular (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's amazing um that people are here to listen to what we have to say to listen to our journey as we go through through things and to kind of converse with us through the mailbag i really love it and thank you so much for listening to this this family Family tree Tree podcast Podcast, episode episode 50. 50